Hey, and welcome to another episode of BTS Podcast. This is your host, Lene Cook. On BTS Podcast, I talk to people about the behind the scenes of what they do. That is what BTS stands for. And on this episode, I am very excited to have been able to sit down and talk with Erin Simon. You may know her as Erin A. Simon on Twitter and across social media platforms. She is a TV host at Cheddar Esports, host of the Grassroots Podcast. She's a freelance journalist who specializes in developing content and has a really incredible background and just is really good at content strategy. During our conversation, Erin walks me through how her perspective has shifted on the value of time and how she now vets her time in terms of what she commits to and who she spends time with and where she spends her energy. We also talk about her approach to mentoring and being mentored. Let me tell you, she has some really, really great mentors and shares a lot of excellent, I guess I would say tidbits, but I feel like they're more of nuggets because they're a little bit bigger than tidbits on just like frameworks and ways that you can think about approaching a mentor, how you should consider your relationships. And I just love how honest she is about that stuff and like how detailed she is. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I loved talking with her. And even in going back and editing this, I was like blowing up her DMs, just being like, I'm enjoying our conversation all over again. It's awesome. If you would like to support this podcast, obviously please subscribe. Also, more importantly, uh, I don't know if it's more importantly, it feels almost more important. Share it on your social media platforms, send it to friends, share a quote from it. Erin shares so many like good sound bites. Feel free to pull one of those and put it on Twitter. Be sure to tag her at Erin A. Simon and tag the podcast at BTS The Podcast. If you feel like tagging me, that's fine. I'm just at Lene Cook, L-Y-N-A-E Cook. Other ways you can support this podcast is if you go to anchor.fm slash BTS podcast. Anchor is really great and it's what I distribute this podcast through. And you are able to become a monthly contributor for just a few dollars or like more dollars if you want. It's awesome and I really appreciate it. Then that money goes straight into my pocket. But if you want to enjoy some services that I also thoroughly enjoy and you want to use my promo codes for those, obviously it is very helpful when I can save on things like grocery delivery, hotel stays, and massages. Those are uh, very important pillars of my life. It may sound ridiculous, but they are. So to start off, groceries, if you use Instacart, you can use LCook5142. That is also in the description of this episode because that is not a fun like number promo code combination to remember. You can use LCook61 to save on your first booking with Hotel Tonight. I love Hotel Tonight. I talk about it all the time. I tweet about it all the time. They're great. I've had nothing but incredible experiences, both with their in-app concierge and at the actual hotels I've booked through them. And I've booked all over the world. Use LCook61 to save. It helps me save when I have to stay at hotels. I try to stay with friends as much as possible. And sometimes it just works out better that I can focus more and get more done if I stay at a hotel. Or sometimes you're just somewhere that you don't have friends. Last but not least, you can use code LZLRZ to save on a Soothe booking. Soothe is magical. They bring masseuses into your home. I guess I've been told recently that masseuses like to be called massage therapists. So they bring massage therapists into your home. They're wonderful. They're super professional. You can choose which gender of massage therapist you would prefer and what type of massage you would like. I like the deep tissue massage and the sport massage. You can also book a couple's massage. Uh, Valentine's Day is not that far away. And also we are approaching the holidays, which are stressful. Get a massage with Soothe, use LZLRZ and I will save on my massages. Uh, thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. 
do subscribe, rate, review, and follow BTS the podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Hey, you're listening to Hashtag BTS Podcast. This is your host, Lene Cook, and I am really excited to be with Erin Ashley Simon today in New York. Hi, Erin. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you? I am ecstatic. Getting a little bit over a unfortunate uh, bug, but I came prepared. I got my caffeine in me. Oh, good for you. Same. <laughs> Always. I can't imagine life without it. So Erin is a TV host. She hosts on Cheddar Esports, and then she's also the host, I guess co-host, of Grassroots Podcast, mm-hmm. which is awesome. If you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend looking it up and listening to it. And Roots is spelled not like roots, like ground roots, but roots like routes. Yes. That roots. Yes, that's exactly the way that we explain it. We're like roots, but spelled like routes. Yeah, like your internet <laughs> router, router. I never remember how to say it. Anyways, <laughs> spelled with a U is what I'm trying to tell you. Um, she's a freelance journalist specializing in developing content and that like really hits the intersection of culture and gaming mm-hmm. and you've done esports as well as normal sports yeah i've done everything i've done gaming i've done traditional sports i've done music media i've been in a wide range of industries when it comes to media work and i found her because she did a really great segment on 10 cents um like nba 2k mm-hmm. play which was really good and i was like wait who is this how have i not <laughs> found her on the internet before Will you be on my podcast? (laughs) So here we are. Um, So you have a lot going on, and we're just going to dive into sort of the meat of, like, the behind the scenes of what you do. Um, How, like, what is your decision matrix like in terms of accepting new opportunities? Like, what does that look like for you? Um, So when it comes to accepting new opportunities, I'm someone that firmly believes in that there are learning opportunities within whichever way you want to go. I think a lot of times when people start out in their career, they like only want to go towards their dream job, and that rarely does that happen. Usually, you have to take the necessary steps to get there. Um, what most people don't know is actually my first job out of college was working at an engineering architecture firm in the marketing department, and you know it was very corporate, it was very buttoned up, but. It paid well. It started actually my salary at a higher point than probably if I started in media. So right out the gate, I was already, I was making almost $60,000 right out of college. And by the time I was like 25, I was making six figures. So even though it wasn't the dream job that I had, it set such a high point for my salary that when I did go into media, they couldn't lowball me because I had such a good point. And also I... I brought so much more to the table. You know, working with the the engineering architecture firm, you know, I learned a lot more about the business sides from contractual agreements and stuff like that. And some of that stuff could apply to the work that I that I do now. And so when I was done with that, I went to the Wall Street Journal. I worked in traditional sports. And uh, I was part of the team, but they didn't make me full-time yet because they didn't quite have the funding but they made me a freelancer but it was a it was kind of like an everyday freelancer where I would be at the office every day but I was still being paid as a freelancer and um I had so many mentors in the media space like even Jamel Hill mentored me at one point that's she's, amazing yeah she's cousins she's cousins with one of my mentors who's been my mentor for like over 10 years his name is Mike Hill he's a broadcaster for Fox Sports he was at ESPN at the time and uh based off of him and like my um my professors and other people, basically they were saying, like, get out of uh, written and digital and print journalism. Like, and especially being a black woman, it's going to be hard for you to rise up in traditional sports. 
find another avenue, and then you can come back and then do whatever you want to do. So that's where I went into actual music media. I worked at Revolt TV for a bit, and even though I have to tell you, it was madness, it was craziness, but I learned so much because I don't think, you know, I was, I, I, I was able to produce TV segments, and I was only like, what, 23, 24, I think at the time? I'm calculating in my head, so I'm 27 now. Yeah, 23, 24, and, um, that's unheard of. Like to be able to produce full-on TV segments at that age is never going to happen at a big, a uh, big broadcast company. Right. So I've been able to, at every single position, build up on uh, specific skill sets. Everything from like knowing how to write, knowing how to be a journalist in that capacity, knowing how to be a producer in that capacity, um, knowing how to be a content strategist. I had to do content strategy for the Wall Street Journal. I had to be a content strategist for all the companies I worked for. Like the Wall Street Journal literally had me in meetings with execs talking about social media. And I actually helped them with developing strategies for the Wall Street Journal sports Twitter account at the time when like no one understood Twitter from the, the high ups. And, um, and so I, I've, I've been building all these little specific skill sets. And I've always been someone who's comfortable in front of the camera, but I never really expected myself to go into hosting and that's the thing that you know I always tell people is like to be open with the possibilities of your career route like I would say your passion should be based upon like a little more of an overarching theme right so mine is I love sports I love music and I love video games and I'm fine with being in either sector as long as I can talk about those things and so when I went into the video game industry I realized like, you know what, even though, you know, I, I love video games and I may not know a whole lot about every esport, this is an opportunity for me to stand out even more. There's so many black women at the forefront for music. There are several prominent black women in sports, but there's no prominent black or, and or Latin women in the gaming space. So I was like, okay, this is a great opportunity for me to really grow and to, uh, develop myself into a, a, an important voice within this space and not just from a gaming space but from a cultural standpoint too because there's so many issues with toxicity, sexism, and etc. And I felt like I'm someone that can help in terms of um, uh, improving the landscape but then also opening eyes to people that have a narrow viewpoint when it comes to the gaming sector. So for me, I've been able to stay within my passion because I didn't narrow down my passion to the point where it's like if I if I'm not producing you know I'm not going to be happy if I'm not going to be right I'm not going to be happy I understand that you have to the best and most successful people in the industries are ones that adapt and change their environment and I adapt and change my environment and I always tell people it's funny because they're like what are you passionate about I'm like I'm passionate about creating something that means something and that will stand the test of time or will be impactful for quite some time. I don't want to create anything that's just going to be like, oh, fun. Am I allowed to, am I allowed to cuss? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't want anything. My dad says no. I don't want to do anything that's like for shits and giggles. Yeah. Like I don't want something like that doesn't mean something at the end of the day or doesn't push a conversation or, or doesn't impact someone. Like this is crazy. I mean, this is, this is crazy that this is even the case. But yesterday I was playing video games with my friends online and there's this 15-year-old kid who's from Tennessee. He's really good. He's very he's very good at the game. And we, we brought him into our group chat, and we we're all talking. And he was like, hey, guys, do you mind if I share some, some personal stuff? Like, I don't have anyone to talk to. And we're like, what is it? He's like, I have an exotic – he's like, I have a unique taste in women. We're like, 
what does that mean? And so he's like, I'm a he's like, my last girlfriend was non-binary. I'm attracted to transgender women. And, you know, I'm I'm also attracted to men. So we're like, so you're pansexual. He was like, yeah, we're like, we're like, dude, it's okay. Like, yeah. we don't, I was like, we're like, we don't care about that. that like, all we nicer care. direction that the conversation went than what I was expecting. Exactly, to me say. too. I was thinking he was about to be like, oh, I like black women who are like this. And I'm like, oh God, here we go. But he was like, you know, we're like, oh, so you're beautiful. Yeah. So we're like, you're pansexual. He was like, yeah. And he was nervous. We're like, listen, how old are you? He's like, I'm 15. We're like, where are you from? He's like, Tennessee. I was like, okay, I, I, we understand that. And I was like, listen, we're not from the South. We're from the New York city area and, yeah. and States around where we're from. We don't, we, we say this in the most sincere, sincere way. We don't, care about your life in that capacity and when i say we don't care we're not going to judge you based on that i don't care who you sleep with i don't Mm -hmm. care who you love at the end of the day like that's your business that's not anyone else's business and that we're like we just wanted you to join us because you're really good at playing video games and you seem like a nice kid and you know and and he was talking about you know just that his sexuality and stuff like that and although we may not fully understand that it was just amazing that he was able to find a group of people that he can fully be himself with. Yeah. And for us, that was the most important thing. And for you all to normalize it, yes. right? To have the conversation with him and go like, hey, that's cool. Like, that's not something that's going to change the yeah. way that we're, like, having a conversation with you. That he can just go like, oh, I don't need to enter every room and go like, hey, here's this, like, big secret that I have. Mm-hmm. And that's something that if you grow up in the South or just, you know, in a more rural or, like, sort of conservative environment, yeah. that the people around you expect you to share that right away. Like, people, I've been amazed. It's been very fascinating because I'm a little bit, I'm only, like, two years old than you are. And it's mm-hmm. been really interesting to see how things have shifted from when it used to be that, like, you started dating somebody and then they, like, within the first month or two, they felt like they need to, like, unload every sort of, like, non-traditional thing they'd ever done just yeah. to make sure that, like, <laughs> you weren't going to lose your shit in a few months. And now to just have that be, like, because my perspective has always been, like, hey, that's none of your business. And also, anyone else that I've been with has a private life, too. I'm not out here, like, trying to expose other people's yeah. private life. Like, that's also an invasion of any partner I've had, like, their privacy. Mm-hmm. And one cool thing, I was, like, so impressed because I'm the... I'm like the oldest of most of my cousins. I have three cousins older than I am, but they're like 10 plus years older than I am. And it's me and then just a bunch of other cousins. And one of my cousins, she like just came home with a girlfriend during Thanksgiving. And I'd asked her, I was like, because she never had like, she had like a boyfriend in high school, but like it was very clear that they were like, that they were both gay. (laughs) And so we were both like, (laughs) everybody was like, okay, like whatever. (laughs) You two are date. Like I put quotes like dating, like, at least we don't have to, like, worry about anyone. Like, you know what I mean? And and then I was like, so did you tell your parents? Like, did you come out to your Or did you just yeah. pop up with a girlfriend out of nowhere? And she said something that I was like, oh, my God, that's so beautiful. I'm so sad no one, like, talked to us about this. Where yeah. she was like, well, you don't have to come out as a straight person. And I was like, oh, like, I almost cried. I was like, <laughs> You're so right. Like, straight people aren't expected to go like, hey, by the way, I like the opposite sex only. I hope that's all right. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to do that. And so I think it's really cool. But granted, she also grew up in Southern California in, like, a very, like, sort of liberal, like-minded area and in, like, a school that was, like, more arts-focused. So that, I'm sure, was, like, more of a conversation earlier in her life Yeah. versus in my life, like, 
I remember even friends after college coming out to me and I was like, okay. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like, so interesting. Like even like one of my cousins um, came out, but she came out to the family last and like everyone at school, her teachers knew everything. And I was just like, it was always interesting. Like my parents have always raised us to be very accepting of everyone. Like I'm very mixed. My family was mixing when it was illegal. So we cannot be saying anything because we would be <laughs> hypocrites. But like I might have an aunt who's gay and stuff like that. And so like, and, and, and that's something that I've noticed, especially within the black community and, and, and even the Latin community is that there is such a high uh, stigma when it comes to, homosexuality or even 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 on a basic level differences right? right and so being able to utilize my platform and to let people know like it's okay to be you at the end right. of the day you know and just like the fact that like even the smallest thing of just telling a 15 year old kid like listen it's okay if that's your sexuality we're not going to judge you yeah. we just we enjoy the fact that you like playing video games with us and vice yeah. versa and it was crazy because he had the biggest sigh of relief like oh my gosh like I'm so happy. He's oh, like, I so can't beautiful. talk to anyone about this. And so yeah. he was like, he was like, do you mind if I like ask you guys questions or something? And we're like, listen, it's okay because we understand. He's a 50 year old kid from Tennessee. I was just right. from Kentucky. I get it. It's right. the Bible Belt. You yeah. probably can't talk to anyone. And what 15 year old doesn't have questions? Yeah. Right? Like what 15 year old is like, yeah, I'm just like cool the way, like whatever, I'll figure it out. Like and all of us at 15 were like, uh... Oh What's going gosh. on? Yeah. What am I supposed to do in these situations? Is this normal? <laughs> I have no idea. Do we make eye contact? I don't know. Don't do that. <laughs> like, no, like, who amongst us didn't? So, like, yeah. how cool. And I think, you know, back to your point about sort of um, just being open and, like, showing people different ways and stuff. Yeah. I think specifically because, you know, we've seen black women for a long time at the front of, like, forefront of music, right? Yeah. Like, in terms of hosting and yeah. talking. Like, VH1, MTV, and by a long time, I mean, like, my lifetime. Oh, no, right? like 106 in Park, like, Right, exactly, yeah. like, quite some time, like, especially on TV, and I think it's been really cool, and I think Jamel Hill is a great example of this, where I think she was probably one of the first people I ever saw hosting as a woman and a black woman who wasn't, like, sexualized, because in music, women yeah. just across the board are basically sexualized, yeah. right? Like, I remember vivid I remember because I never really went like oh I can't do this because I'm a woman like yeah. in my, like it didn't occur to me until much later in life like until I was actually working in music and I yeah. was like why is it oh and then I was like oh I'm not a man and I'm not Jewish so that's why this is going you know what I mean I <laughs> yeah, was like yeah, well yeah. this is huh okay well I'll just go do other stuff for a while <laughs> like but I think it's been really cool where like and what you're doing also it's that you're putting like a face with like an like a you get to contribute intellectually and analyze yeah. things right mm -hmm. who no one in hosting and music really gets to analyze anything you're like not that often right unless it's yeah. your platform but if you're on MTV VH1 BET whatever yeah. you're not really outside of introducing asking questions a lot of times those just aren't platforms where people are having deep conversations so yeah. it's not like it's just like, oh, those conversations aren't happening there, right? Like, but with what you're doing, you're also just even silently, even if it's never brought up, going like, oh, yeah, black girls play games. Because that's like a crazy, I've, I've worked with esports clients before. Yeah. And going like, hey, this is not just a bunch of white dudes. People are like, oh. Oh, my gosh. And it's the thing where I'm like, no, like, yeah. I was so into computer games as a kid. Like, I was so into Quake and Doom and yeah. Duke Nukem as a kid. And then as I got older, my brother got into it. He was into Call of Duty. That's never really my jam. Yeah. But 
since then I've like dated guys who play games and got mm-hmm. back into it. And it's like, and people are just shocked. Like really? And I'm like, did yeah. you really think that like as a child, I was like, oh no, I can't, can't touch the computer. That's for men. Like, <laughs> no, I just liked doing it. And so it, it's, I think even if like when you're hosting, you're not saying like, here as a black woman, here's my experience. Like you're showing other black girls that that's normal. Yeah. And that like, they're not weird for gaming. And also the, like any white guy or white people in general, like, yeah. oh yeah, people of every background, like this is a universal thing. Like you don't, yeah. you don't assign like a race to like, you don't go like, oh, only white people like the NFL, right? Like that's like, yeah. you don't do that there. Why would you do that to like, entertainment forms in general but the interesting thing is kind of it's kind of two folds in a sense right because you have people on the outside that don't understand the community within the inside but even there are people within the community that don't understand each other within it as well totally like um and there's this i don't know why but there seems to still be this stereotypical representation of women within gaming I've gone to fighting game tournaments and stuff like that and i've covered these events and i've even had gamers themselves be like Oh, are you are you a viewer? I'm like, no. Are you someone's girlfriend? Right. No, I'm here covering this event. Yeah. And because I dress differently than some of the women, like, mm-hmm. you know, granted, you know, I'm 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 on the line of like tomboy and femme. Like I'm Same. really on the line. Some days <laughs> I wanna go in with sweatpants and a hoodie and not give a crap about anything. Yeah. And some days, like for example, I made sure I got my nails done before I came today. So <laughs> it really depends on who I'm feeling today. I like, hide my nails and like don't look at my chip nails. <laughs> <laughs> I had such bad, I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot do this podcast and have horrible <laughs> nails. Um, but even that perception with that, right? And so the one thing, and, and there's even like this weird perception and connotation within even the, the black community itself where, or, or I would say actually hip hop community, like for mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, disclaimer, I've been in communication with a lot of the music labels because they are looking to entering the gaming space in the most authentic and, and, and right. genuine way as possible. And I'm someone that they've been reaching out to and I've been talking to them about what are some appropriate ways, who are some people that they should not put in first. There's right. one label, they put someone in and I literally was like, that was the dumbest thing you guys did because mm-hmm. that person is not authentic to the game community. I've never seen him play video games. I've right. never seen him talk about video games. Why would you start with this person? I don't care if they're super uh, famous. Totally. The community does not care about that. Yeah. Right now, all they care about is, are you coming in to, to, to help and to assist and grow this community or take from it? Right. And if you're bringing in someone who's just a big face and all they talk about is winning and money, you know, they don't, they're not, they're not going to support that. And so even that community, you know, the, the hip hop community itself, that want to come in. People don't realize hip hop artists don't just play sports games. No. I think that's the worst like the worst perspective yes. when it comes to it. A rapper can play more than one. Right. Perfect example is T-Pain. T-Pain plays so many different variety of games. Lupe Fiasco plays a wide variety of games. Mm-hmm. Like I even had um, Fontaine from Little Brother talking about there's this game called Little Flower, like Little Flower, or it's not Little Flower, it's called Flower, and he's like, you're the wind and you're carrying the seeds. And it's like this indie game. Right. And it's just like... Even within itself, like there's so many cultural contexts and cultural stereotypes that still need to be broken within the gaming community mm-hmm. from those who are viewing from the outside and even those from within. Like when Ninja, who's like the most popular streamer, Ninja said Drake made gaming cool as a hip hop act. I said, that's false. Do yeah. you know how many? I was like, have you ever heard of Wu-Tang Clan? They had the first fighting game, video game period when it comes to rappers. Then after that was Def Jam, the Def Jam series. Mm-hmm. Like, and if you want me to take it even further, we can even talk about some of the games that 
that crossed the cultural ties of hip hop and something else, whether it was Tony Hawk mixing mm -hmm. skateboarding and hip hop, Absolutely. or whether it was um, um, Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto actually introduced a lot of old school hip hop R&B to kids from suburbia that would not have otherwise come across that music, right? Yeah. So it's there's so many things within this community that I think need to be not I wouldn't well some exposed because there are some bad aspects of it but there are some really amazing sides yeah. that need to be either highlighted or some sides that need to be you know even within the people who are in the community themselves need to be addressed in a certain way and that's why I was like you know what there's so much that needs to be discussed and yeah. helped and etc from a culture standpoint from a business standpoint like even the fact that there are people that don't even understand contracts or don't even understand um, uh, the difference between a majority and, mi and a minority investor what that exactly means right. so I, that's the, per the perspective I really try to bring into the industry, especially on Cheddar Esports when we're talking about these things. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, too, because I have I was really, with a, with a background sort of in the music world, yeah. I was shocked and also, like, horrified at the lack <laughs> of education yeah. a lot of the, like, esports influencers managers have on contracts mm -hmm. and, like, what that means. And, like, even just in terms of, like, wanting to do really unique um sort of like influencer plays yeah. with influencers and going like, hey, you know, I'd really love to talk about doing like what would benefit their channel most and just getting in response sort of from managers. Like, yeah. just let us know how many posts you want to do. And it's like, I'm trying to do something that's going to contribute right to both parties. Like yeah. I think where, where you win with influencer relationships in general is when the brand gets recognition the consumer is like interested and engaged in the content and the influencer is building their channel off yeah. of it. And like you're saying with um, with like music integrating with esports like or and gaming in general, like when it's not authentic, people have a sniffer for that. And also yeah. you're talking to like a group of people, and by that I mean gamers, who've been marginalized on a societal level for yeah. so long that it's such a sensitive thing that like, oh, now that there's visibly money here, you just want to like dip in and like slap a brand name on something. Yeah. Like, it needs to be a winning experience for all. And I really, I wish that more managers, and I don't know if, if gamers, like, have agents, but I've only ever encountered managers. They, like They do have agencies. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. because yeah, some, of them, was, some of them have agencies, and then some of them are managed by the teams that they are, uh, they're a part of. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, I just, I really wish there was better education, because a lot of it is, like, very similar to what I've seen in the hip-hop world, where it's, like, a friend is managing them, and you're, like, oh, your friend is, like... They mean well, they just don't have the, like, yeah. someone needs to take them under their wing and mentor this person. Yeah. You know, just on some basic stuff of what they can negotiate in a contract and, like, when the right time is to, like, introduce, like, when someone has money for you, mm -hmm. like, don't don't be like, okay, well, you're not allowed to talk to this person that you're hiring because yeah. that's how you build, especially when you're building a content partnership, Yeah, that's how you do it best. So... Okay, that was a long tangent. I'm sorry. No, you're right. I, listen, I'm on the same wave as you are when it comes to that. Like every time, like I've I've done work with AT and T, and first of all, AT and T has been amazing working with me. By the way, I just want to say that they really allow me to move the needle when it comes to the content. They're literally like, you lead us and tell us what we need to do better. Give mm -hmm. us some advice. And I think that that's what a lot of brands and people need to do when they're coming to this space. Yeah. Don't come in acting like you know what yeah. the heck you think it is when you don't. Right. Um, and so... That's why I'm, I'm I'm happy that like brands like them, you know, I've been you know talking to like even Rock Nation and a few others in terms of like getting their artists involved in the gaming space, mm -hmm. and a lot of them have been really great in terms of saying like, okay, you tell us 
what we need to do. And I think that there needs to be a lot of more of that, especially in the gaming space. It's funny because I always tell people there's such a crazy correlation between hip hop and gaming, not just yes. because of the artists. The same way that hip hop uh, blew up and everyone tried to jump in the bandwagon, yes. it's the same thing that's happening in the esports. It's literally hand in hand. Have you seen the documentary Dumb? Mm. So it's not hip hop related, but I watched it and was like, oh my God, this is the same as like what um, gaming is seeing right now, but yeah. that trails. Um, Big Brother magazine, which was sort of a like response to how conservative um, trans world was getting at the time. So mm -hmm. it's about action sports and seeing yeah. that trajectory. And I agree with you. Like hip hop has been a very similar trajectory of like very sort of like quiet and then not quiet, but like in a mainstream sense, like yeah. kind of like shunned or like frowned upon or yeah, whatever. Yeah, not accepted. Yeah. And then huge and too commercialized. Like I, I would venture to say the early aughts was like not a good time for like mainstream <laughs> hip hop, you know? And like granted, like some of those are still like club bangers and like a go-to for a lot yeah. of DJs, but like not hip hop's finest moment, you know? Yeah. And I won't name names, but like <laughs> I can think of a few off the top of my head of me going like, yeah, well, I think I'll just check out like what like punk and alt rock is up to right now because this is like not for me and then shortly after there like after that then um guerrilla unions tour is getting really big and doing all of those with like i mean also the hip-hop artists that i like where it's like atmosphere and a yeah. little technique on the lineup and merge yeah. that i was like oh this is more of my jam than like yeah. what <laughs> what they're playing like on the radio right now um, but I agree with you. It is a very similar trajectory. And what I wish was happening was more of people in gaming seeing that yeah. and being predictive and then bringing people who were in the nascent stages of action sports and of hip hop, like sort of the business people and going like, hey, come over to gaming. You yeah. don't actually have to know anything about gaming, right? Like yeah. you can just bring that business savvy over here. And help us. Um, so you've mentioned your mentors a few times, yeah. and I've looked at your roster of mentors on your LinkedIn. It's pretty insane. Like, I have a lot. <laughs> you have a lot. A, you have a lot. B, you have like a lot of really incredible mentors. Yeah. Um, how did you go about finding mentors? So when I started in general with working in this industry, I was 16 years old, and that was kind what? of like, yeah. A baby. How? Yeah. So uh, I created a blog with this young man from, from my high school, I won't say his name because we ended off on horrible terms, but no. uh, we created a blog and it kind of blew up in the sense of like, we were covering sports. And at that time, you know, I kind of had a leg up. I was a young and attractive young girl who was getting interviews by uh, boys of the same age. Right. And, but it, there was a respect level to it because I was always someone that I never like I never like hypersexualized myself and right. even still like I don't like doing it but I understand that like you have to like present yourself in a in a in a pleasing way sometimes and it's, I'll say you know yeah. it's, it's, it's difficult it's a yeah. weird it's a weird line to walk when yeah. you know that you can get what you want if you look a certain a way. certain way or just Presentable. Yeah. Like, that's what I say. Just looking presentable. presentable that's probably the key yeah. word. Yeah, that's a nicer way. Than yeah, that's, that's definitely a nicer <laughs> way. I for sure will be sometimes like, oh, yeah, I should put on makeup today. It'll The world will treat me better. And other times I'm like, actually, if I look too girly in this situation, I won't be taken yeah. seriously. But the thing is, is like, because I've, I've throughout my career have kind of set it up where it's like, sometimes I'll dress up, sometimes I don't. I have, and it sucks that I have to say this, but once you get a cosign from a respected man in the industry, it becomes mm -hmm. a lot easier. And it's unfortunate that you need it. 
like in the music industry, my first respected cosign was Rob Markman. So once I got that cosign, everyone else showed me respect and weren't trying to sleep with me and et cetera. That's kind of like when it stopped, right? Right. Um, but even before then, when I was working in sports, you know, I was 16, I had a blog. I was interviewing top high school basketball players. Because you were like a top soccer player in yeah, New Jersey. Yeah, I was, a, I was a top soccer player. I was a top, uh, yeah, soccer, top soccer player in New Jersey and in the country. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and like my high school at the time, we were, uh, we were like top five women's soccer high school teams in the entire country. So mm-hmm. soccer was like a big part of my life. But because I played soccer, I wasn't able to like go on vacations a lot and stuff. So I created a blog and I played video games. And so with that blog, it blew up because we got – a lot of these young guys, they, they, they trusted me because they would tell me stuff, and I wouldn't go and tweet about it or say anything about it. And I would be like, "Hey, I want to. Can you, when you get your top four colleges, can you tell me, and I'll and I'll write about it." Mm-hmm. And so I started interviewing them. I started interviewing um, people who others didn't really pay attention to, but then they started getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Like one of the people that I've helped was Carl Anthony Towns, who was one of the, who ended up being one of the top players in his years. Is on the Timberwolves. He's considered a top player in the NBA. I was working with, and he's like, he's like my little brother. Like our families are close, but at the time no one was looking at him. And, you know, I started posting him on my blog and stuff like that. And then overnight, like shit just like blew up. Yeah. Um, but kind of going back to the point of what you were, what you were saying before, sorry, I, I kind of took no, a little that's okay. direction. Context. Um, so when I started Facebook was like the platform Twitter, not that much, but people didn't really know how to utilize social media well mm-hmm. and the one thing that they didn't realize at the time was the, the accessibility everyone knows about yes. this accessibility now but back then they didn't know about that yeah and i would look certain people up be like oh wow mike hill from espn like i love his work i'm gonna reach out to him i would i, I message him on facebook hey you know i want to ask you just some questions or whatever so i got him on the phone asked him questions you know, how to maneuver. He knew about my blog because ESPN was checking it out. And it was at a point where I was just like, hey, like, you know, could you mentor me? Mm-hmm. So he mentored me. And then because of the blog, I got <clears throat> I got in contact with more people. Um, Josh Gotthelf, who's the co-founder of a, of a basketball, a big basketball magazine called Dime Magazine. He reached out to me and was like, yo, your blog is freaking amazing. Like, how old are you? I'm like 16, 17. He's like, you're doing amazing stuff. I met with him. He told me things I can do differently. And then I was just like, hey, I'm looking for a mentor, like more mentors. Do you mind? He was like, yeah. And then with Mike, later on, I found out his cousin, Jamel Hill. And I was like, I would love to talk to her. And when I was in college, Jamel Hill was actually trying to help me with um, getting some written articles at ESPNW and stuff like that. And so they were so, I realized the impact of accessibility when it came to social media before everyone else realized that. Like, I don't think people realize that, like, you can contact a notable person on social media. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I was able to get a lot of these bigger mentors. And then, like, for example, Rob, Rob was different. Like, Rob, Rob, Rob Markman, he's like my brother. Like, he's mm-hmm. like my big brother. And I developed that relationship because he he was like, oh, wow, you've, you've written for the Wall Street Journal and stuff. And I talked about sports and stuff. And I'm the kind of person where, like, I actually, like, if I, if I like your energy, I'm, I will really take the time to get to know you, and I'm not going to ask for anything. Right. A lot of my mentors respected the fact that I would, like, talk to them for months upon months, like, six months, and never ever ask for anything. And yeah. to the point where they're like, Erin, how can I help you? And I'm always like, I can do it myself. I can do it myself. I'm like, the same way. I'm, I'm such like, a, I can't. I'm like, we're friends. I can't ask you for I'm, things. I am such – I am someone who – you know, I wouldn't say prideful, but I was always someone who's like, I can figure it out on my own. Mm-hmm. But I've learned over time that eventually at some point, it's okay to ask for help. Especially when you have a specific question, you yeah. know, or sort of like a, like you're hitting a wall on your own. But I think 
To backtrack a little bit, yeah, I think one course. thing that's worth, totally worth noting for listeners is yeah. that like you aren't reaching out to mentors and not having already put in the work yourself. Yeah. Like you already not only put in the work, but we're doing good work yes. where there was something to point to. Because one thing that I think, and in a way, I respect people's bravery with this because I'm like, oh, you just went and asked someone to mentor you and you've done nothing to sh- like express yeah. interest in that field or whatever. Like you're not even yeah. like you want to mentor in film, but like you've never made a short. You know what I mean? Like that's fascinating that you just went out and like asked somebody because I would I'm still I still have never blatantly asked anyone to be my mentor because I'm like, well, my goals aren't clear enough yet. Like I just haven't done it. And there there have been some friends that I've um I will give a shout out like my, my friend Trevor has been amazing at giving me career advice over the years yeah. and like really just sort of like letting me know I'm on the right track, which yeah. at times is like all it, I need. Sometimes that's all you need. So yeah. you know, be like, you're doing well. Yeah. Stick with it. And oh. to be like, hey, yeah. you're really smart. Like, when can we work together? And I respect his work so much that I'm like, you want to work with me? And then I'm always like, I'm not ready for that. Like, <laughs> we can't do that. You're, you're too smart. Like, I'm not ready to like, yeah. feel like I'm like showing my ass if we work together. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. ah, all the weak points will, will show. But then I have had other friends, like my friend, um, a good friend, Chris, that I've accompanied with, another friend, Chris Denson, like he yeah. sat down with me and we barely knew each other. Like we'd been Twitter friends for a long time and then ran into each other at a party and then like grabbed a bite. And I was just like, how can I like explain what I do better? Yeah. Right. Because like what I do is so sort of to most people, they're like, I don't have a label for that. So he helped me kind of understand like yeah. what to boil it down to and stuff like that. But it is hard. It's so you've had these mentors for a long time, like 10 years, some of them. Uh, like. Yeah. Some of them 10 <clears throat> plus years, some of them five plus years. A lot of my mentors are people that Honestly, I consider family at this point because yeah. I've really taken the time to not only gain advice from them, but like get to know them. Like when, right. when they're going through a hard time, I'm I'm the one that's like, hey, are you okay? Do you need anything from me? Do you need any help? Like, right. or anything Being a like normal that. person. Yeah, just showing like- <laughs> compassion. And I think that's the problem with some people who seek mentors is like they don't realize that these are human beings, mm-hmm. right? And I think sometimes we put people on pedestals where we forget the humanized aspect of it. And then also another thing that people don't understand when it comes to mentorship and stuff is, one, don't ask for stuff right out the gate. Like, yeah. you, it, there's there there's a, there's such an art form towards networking and building relationships that people mm-hmm. need to understand. Like, the fact that time is so valuable. Do not waste people's time. Yeah. If you don't know what you want to do, right. don't waste a mentor's time because, you know, that's like when people ask me, oh, can you send a resume in? Can you do this? I'm like, I have no problem. But one, I need to know the kind of person you are. Like, I've actually said no to mentoring people because I'm like, I don't know you. Yeah. I see your work. I see the things you do. But for me, in order for me to mentor you, I need to know what kind of person you are. Yeah. Because I can't have my name tied to you if you're not a good person. Well, and also, who wants to spend time with someone that they don't enjoy their company? You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where you're like, we don't get along. Like, just because I'm doing well, I can't just mentor you even if there's not, like, a good rapport there. Yeah. You know, that is... And, and that's, that is, yeah, it is tricky, but I respect you for saying no, because it is one of those things that I think a lot of people would just like not respond or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think it is important for people to know like, Hey, I don't really know you that well. Like I'm not comfortable to, and to also that to me is like a form of, of mentorship in and of itself Yeah. of going like, Hey, you need, that sort of is a subtle, if not overt way of saying like hey, it's important that you get to know somebody before you mentor them yeah. or like before you ask for a mentorship and like that you build some sort of 
I'm I'm also just somebody who like doesn't go for a hard sell ever. Yeah. Like I can't do that. I'm like, oh, that feels icky and like not human. <laughs> like I can't just be out here being like, listen to my podcast. Episode 21 is released. Like I need you to listen. Like I'm always <laughs> like, oh, here's the benefit for you if yeah. you give a shit about whatever for you to listen to this, right? Like I know it's not for everybody. But that's that's but that's okay though because what you just said, this is a benefit. What people don't understand is if you're networking, right? You think of okay, networking is the same way as trying to sell a content piece, right? Mm-hmm. You're trying to sell yourself. Right. You have to show a value. What people don't understand is yes. networking and relationship building is a value exchange. Whether you realize it or not, even when you're making friends, a value exchange could be Oh, we like the same things. I like your company. Mm-hmm. You're a nice person. Yes. That's the value exchange. The same way it is with networking and mentoring. There needs mm-hmm. to be that. And so many people have been like, I've been contacted by so many people, especially when it comes to like mentoring for the podcast, because with grassroots, like we've been able to get certain big guests. We're, we're moving a certain way. But what people don't understand is that one, the value comes from the fact that Brandon and I have worked in music and media for 10 plus years. Right. We didn't just wake up and start the podcast and yeah. got all and reap the benefits. It's it was a it was a kind of like a crossing over effect from the work and and being good people right. in the industry when we first started out. That did help us. Yeah. Another thing is content value, right? We don't beg people to watch our show. Like we joke around sometimes and are like, hey, if you don't click and right. notify, we hate you. But like we're not serious in that sense because right. we, 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 that's just who we are. We always joke around, right? And it's just understanding the value proposition that you're giving and, mm-hmm. and where you fit in. I think a lot of times what people don't, don't know is one, they don't know what they want to do. Right. Two, they don't understand what their value is. And three, they don't know what their lane is. You have to understand all three of those things in order to be able to, one, effectively communicate yourself if you're pitching for mentorship or anything, and also even for content itself. So, like, I know my value was, hey, I know how to make content and shit pop. Right. I'm someone from a strategy standpoint, everything I touch content-wise turns to gold. I know how to do that. That's something that not a lot of people can do, and that's that's my value point. Two, I'm a good person at the end of the day. I'm a very genuine good person. I am very, like, there's no facade. What mm-hmm. you get is what you get. If I don't like you, I don't like you. If I do like you, you will know. If I tell you I don't have time right now, I don't have time. I'm not doing that industry crap where they're like, oh, let's link some time. No, I'm going right. to tell you, hey, right now I'm super busy. I don't have time. Let's check back on this month and let's figure it out, right? right. There, I think that, you know, and, 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 and I've seen, like, people like Gary Vaynerchuk talk about this and some other people. Like, there's also such a value to kindness and honesty. Yeah. I think people sometimes, they don't value the, the, the power of honesty. They don't value the power of uh, kindness. And they don't value the, the, the power of listening for the purpose of understanding. Agreed. Like, people take it personally when others say no in business and stuff like that. Or mentorship, No. Don't take it personally. You don't know what's going on in that person's life. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's happening at that company. That person may be saying no because shit, things are horrible at that company and it's about to fall right. apart. You don't know. So yeah. I think that like a lot of times, you know, I, with, with the instant gratification of how social media and everything is in life, everyone expects things to just be handed to them yeah. and to be there in a second. That's not the case. Like, like I, I've had so many people that are like, 
look at my trajectory and my career and they're like, oh my God, you're doing amazing things. You're interviewing Snoop Dogg for about gaming, this and this. You know, how can I get into it? I'm like, well, start off with 10 years of working your butt right. off in the industry. You think yeah. that this happened overnight? It took yeah. 10 years for me to be able to contact someone and be able to sit down with Snoop Dogg and talk about video games. It took me 10 years to even be able to be in front of the camera and be young and hosting for actual TV. It's not right. something that just happened. Like, I woke up one day. I'm like, oh, look, I'm on TV yeah, now. I like games. Why don't I call Snoop and see yeah. if he wants well, and, you know, you're also talking to celebrities about something that is niche. Like, they don't get yeah. to talk about that much. And right now, it's also a good time to be going like, hey, also, I game. Because there's money. You know what I mean? There's, like, yeah, business yeah, opportunity yeah. in it. And so when you're having conversations, like, I will say also with this podcast, it's been really cool because... I get to talk to people about stuff that they don't normally get to talk about. Yeah. You know, I get to talk about sort of like tactically, like how do you organize your time? What What are these things when a lot of people it's like, you know, want to talk to you about like, hey, what's the future of gaming? And it's like, hey, if you want to know that, just follow Aaron on Twitter, Which, right? Watch Cheddar Esports. Yes. <laughs> at Aaron. <laughs> what is it? At Aaron, Aaron A. Simon. Simon. <laughs> yeah. So actually follow her on Twitter. But... Um, so I think it's a lot of people's redundant conversations, mm -hmm. like even before this conversation and I'll, I'll plug it at the top of this podcast, but I'd listened to the podcast episode. I think it's like the music business podcast episode that you were on. Yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm probably going to point listeners to that for a lot of the conversations of definitely things that I want to talk to you about, but like they've already been set. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm not going to come over here and be yeah. like, great, let's repeat the conversation that you had with them because it was so good. Like, no, I want to talk to yeah. you about different things. Um, which actually, now that we're talking about Twitter, a millisecond ago. So, you know, I think it should be by now public knowledge that if you are a woman who games and you're on Twitter and you're hosting, you deal with trolls and you deal with a lot of like assholes. Yeah. Um, how have you like sort of just managed that for your own wellness? Because I think yeah. when you are a public persona, um, to your point earlier about like celebrities also being people like you're also a human with feelings yeah. <laughs> like how have you managed your own sort of like mental health and wellness as yeah. your following has grown oh gosh the mute and black buttons are my friends like <laughs> i i don't listen i don't i don't deal with bs i don't deal with that stuff a lot of times some of them do it for attention because they want to get your attention or be cool and then sometimes they do it because it's interesting right you kind of have to you have to evaluate each communication. Sometimes people do it for attention because they want you to respond and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I respond to me. Another time people may be having a bad day and you're like, listen, what is wrong? And they're like, sorry. Like I've definitely had moments where I've spoken to people and I'm like, and they got mad at something that I said, like, like maybe on the podcast, but then I'm like, listen, let me expand it. Mm -hmm. I was like, we only have an hour to talk about these things. Let me, right. I'm going to talk to you about it now. This is why I had that viewpoint. And then when I explained it, they were like, oh, that makes sense. And I'm like, yes. Mm -hmm. I said, if anything, I said, if you actually listen to episode yada yada a while ago, I talked about the same thing. But sometimes people on social media, they only get a snapshot and they right. get mad off of a snapshot or a sentence or whatever. And then they just, like, get super, super upset. Like, I had so many people that got upset with the whole Jay-Z thing with the NFL. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I said was, listen, Jay-Z has done a lot in terms of social activism. Like, he's gotten people out of jail and right. stuff like that. Let's wait and see what yes. happens. And then and, and but, but we can hold him accountable. Yes. And I, and I even said on the podcast, the problem I have with the black community sometimes is that we – 
when we hold our own people accountable, we try to cancel them. Mm-hmm. We can hold each other accountable and still have love and compassion for each other. Yes. I think that's the thing that's the problem is this cancel culture, which, by the way, news alert, it doesn't exist. Cancel culture does not exist. Mm-hmm. It is a... Uh, it's just... It, cancel culture, when it originally started, actually meant something. What it means now... It doesn't mean crap. Right. It's literally just people getting upset and wanting to just be like, everyone throw your anger at this person. And then three weeks later, they don't, they forget about it. Well, and you know, so much, because I wonder so often when people do that whole, like, I'm sharing this like negative thing about this person, cancel yeah. them. I'm like, a lot of that too, whether it's conscious or subconscious, we all know that when we post that sort of thing, like, and I put in quotes, like exposing somebody, yeah. that there's a social currency in it for us because that tweet is more likely to go viral, right? Like yeah. your content is more likely to go viral if you're somebody like Sean White who's posting things like that all the time where like, yeah, terrible things are happening in the world, but that knee jerk reaction and not under, like not giving someone a chance to like go, oh, what's the longer term goal? Like, I, yeah. do you remember when Killer Mike said that thing about like all black people should go out and get guns? Yeah, I remember that. My first thought when he said that was I was like, oh, that is literally the best way to get white people to go like, we need better gun laws. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that concept. And so people a lot of times were like, how dare he? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, uh, this is, and I think uh, in the new Chappelle special, he said something to that same yeah. point. And it really made me go like, like, yeah, there are things that people do that are wrong at the same time. Yeah. Let's think about somebody who like killer Mike is crazy smart. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. so smart that I'm yeah. like, he's not like, he's always playing a game of chess, you know, like I fully believe that with him. Yeah. However, I think when it comes to cancel culture too, when we, when we like that idea of someone being canceled, I think to me, it, it sort of shed light, sheds light on like a larger problem that we have as a society where like, no wonder why, like, how do we expect people to get out of prison and then continue their lives if we won't hire them, right? And, like, we won't yeah. give them jobs. And so in cancel culture, I'm like, people, even if somebody messed up at some point, sure, there are things that are unforgivable. But there's mistakes that people make. Give them a chance to yeah. grow. Like, calling Kevin Hart out and making him, like, have to cancel his Oscars hosting, which was his dream, which I find hysterical. Yeah. Of something he said uh, 10 years ago that, like, yeah, it was a bad joke. Yes, it was not okay. People all grow. Like, who among us has said well, something 10 years ago that we're like, I stand by that. But that's also, like, even with his situation, right? Like, I think with his situation, too, is that we don't take a deeper look at why was he that way. Yes. And within the black community, there is still a problem when it comes to homosexuality, right. especially with black men. Not mm-hmm. just in Philadelphia, where he's from, in various places. Yeah. So. There's an overarching problem, and that's the thing with me. Like, there, this is the reason why this is the reason why cancel culture doesn't exist. Because if that was the case, we should have canceled R. Kelly a long time ago. Why did it take? Why did it take for this documentary Mm -hmm. for him to be canceled? Like, that's the thing. There are certain people that you know we should have canceled a long time ago, but because they had amazing music, we we ignored it. Right. Right. That's why I say. That's why I always say cancel culture doesn't exist. Yeah. Um. Because cancel culture is just now being utilized, like you said, for likes. For 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 it's 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 less so to help others and more so to fulfill something in us in terms of oh a bunch of people agree with me or a bunch of people like what I have to say. Right. Mm-hmm. But there are but there are people who speak up on things that deserve. 
um, do do deserve praise. Like David Dennis, like mm -hmm. he is amazing. Talks about social issues. Even with Jamel Hill, right? Yeah. There are people who aren't cancel culture. They are people who hold others accountable, and yeah. that's why I I hate seeing cancel culture and I like accountability yeah. better because accountability is something that's going to that's going to be consistent. Cancel culture is a one time, two times, they forget. Like, like very knee jerk reaction. Yeah, like yeah. there's been so many artists that were like, "Oh, they said something racist, cancel them." They're still around. They're still making money. Like I just saw a song come up from Sabrina Claudio. I'm like, "Oh, didn't y'all cancel her a while ago? Oh, she's still making music. And she's people, still around." Which means that also that there's a producer, an agent, a manager, like that there's all these other yeah, people. There's no accountability with her though. That's right. the issue. Yeah, totally. I agree with you. And I think I think in a, it's social is great in a lot of ways. And yeah. I do think that it's also um, as a culture, we need to have a better sort of um, approach to where we get information yes. and how we internalize things and going like, let me dig deeper and being open to long form. Like I would say that like some of the best sources for information that I have found are things that are not coming out the day something happens because yep. getting real information, like as you know, as someone who's done like journalism, yeah. takes time, right? Like yeah. just seeing something and going like, oh, this is what happens. And I'll say like, I don't know if you ever listened to Pod Save the People. Yes, I have. But it's mm -hmm. like they do such a good job of like going into things, both current events and historical events and going like, hey, here's something that maybe yeah. you didn't know or you haven't thought about and like... The New Yorker, like, yeah, they're not posting stuff right away all the time, but they go really deep in and they have like a world renowned fact checking department. So when people are just sort of like feeding into news cycles that, by the way, exist because yeah. we react to them so well, like as humans, right? There's yeah. like, we have three reactions, like fight, flight, or freeze. So when you get frozen by news and go into it, there's money there. That's why yeah. it exists, right? Like, that's mm -hmm. why Fox can have a 24 hour news cycle because. Like, I think the most beautiful examples of, hey, people will watch things as long as there's, um, like, something to watch is all of the high-speed pursuits in California. Like, I remember as a kid, it would be like, oh, my God, four hours, right, for this high-speed pursuit. And then when 9-11 happened, they were like, oh, if something terrible happens, we can cover it for days. And people would just sit here paralyzed by it. And, like, the money that we can get is insane. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, also, um, I did bring up one thing earlier about... I like to talk to people about managing their time. Okay. You have a lot going on. How yes. do you manage your time? How do I manage my time? Uh, I say no more often oh to things. Oh my God, well then thank you for saying um, yes. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I, what, for me, you know, I've always been someone who, when I was younger, I was always afraid of, I, well, I started out being afraid of, of, of what people thought about me and et cetera. Mm. And over time, I've, I've realized that I shouldn't, that's not the way to live my life. And I've realized that, you know, as I become more successful, my time is more valuable. Yes. And I have to do things that make sense for me, that, that will help me grow in the pathway that I want to, or do things that I gen genuinely am passionate about, yeah. right? So I'm the kind of person like, you know, for example, I mean, I've had people ask me to be on their podcast, but I would listen to their podcast and, and I just evaluate the situation. I'm like, this does not make sense for me. Right. Um, but sometimes I will do it. Like sometimes there'll be people, um, thank you, that I don't know. And they're like, hey, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is really cool. 
it has a very like you had a very unique kind of people that you spoke to and, and I thought that was really interesting thank you and I was like hey I'll do this you know I'm I'm someone who like I'm not gonna say no to, okay let me rephrase uh, it's not that I'm going to say no to everyone. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just about when I do say yes, does it make sense? Right. Um, because I do understand as someone who started out doing media work, it's hard to get yes. It's really hard. And being courageous enough to like actually put yourself forward and ask someone to be on, it has to make sense, right? But like if it's something where it's like, you know, hey, if you're going to be on my podcast, you got to come all the way out to Queens on this day. And oh I'll be like, God. that does not time-wise that doesn't well, make sense especially if you don't already have a crazy following you know what i mean yeah it's like you it's... might go to queens for like i don't know like a big podcast but if you're not like to me i would never expect anyone to go out of their way unless they were the one asking to be on the show and then i'm like okay well then we can meet halfway or something you yeah I'm, I mean? a, I'm a meet halfway person like we 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 met halfway when mm -hmm. we were with choosing the location and um, and for me, you know, I've, I mean, my mentors have told me this. They're like, you can't help everyone. It's about helping mm -hmm. the right individuals. It's about evaluating your situations and doing things that will make you grow. And when I say grow, it's not just career-wise. Yeah. Grow personally, grow intellectually, you mm -hmm. know, grow in that capacity. Um, and so... I've had to kind of sit back and evaluate. Like, so for example, I've I've always been someone who's been mentoring people and stuff like that. I would say within the 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 later part of 2019, I've had to put it on halt because I was like, you know what? I really need to take this time to be selfish. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with being selfish. No. There's nothing wrong with taking time away to focus on yourself because what people don't understand is I can't help other people if I don't help myself yeah. first. If I don't elevate, how can I expect to help you? Mm -hmm. You know, if you want my help, just give me time and let me build up to a point where I need to go. And then I can come down and extend a hand and, and, it's on you it's on you to decide whether you want to grab for it or not yeah so i've had to learn how to be more selfish in that sense and say no more not and for the purpose of growing but also for my sanity yeah and for my health absolutely and working in music media i was realizing i was saying yes a lot i was getting sick i was mm -hmm. end up getting an ulcer like emotionally and mentally and spiritually it was just not there and so right. i realized that's when i actually had to make a decision to say i need to leave the music media world mm -hmm. i gotta leave music like i can't do this anymore and it's also where i made the decision to say you know what i have to say no to some things and i know there are people who have reached out to me and i'll, and I'll apologize there are people who have reached out to me that i haven't gotten back to yet but mm -hmm. that's just because my schedule has been super hectic like if you follow up with me i'll respond right. that's another thing too please follow up but don't follow up in like 24 hours like right. follow up you know maybe 78 give, some breathing <laughs> give me some breathing room right <laughs> um but i really try to answer back to as many people as possible and i really mm -hmm. like when people has have questions about content strategy all that stuff i really try to the one thing i do ask is don't ask me to give opinion on music i left that world i don't want to do that anymore and my opinion doesn't mean crap right what matters is what your fans think and those people yeah me doesn't mean crap make that very straightforward um but I, you know, I've had to say no a lot, and, and at first it bothered me, and I cared about it, but then I realized, I'm like, you know what, if, in, in, in hindsight, and I know it sounds really bad, people do not give a shit about you. Most people will not give a crap about you, mm -hmm. your health, and your well-being. Yeah. So, if you don't give a crap about that, 
then no one is at all. So yeah. you have to put yourself in a position where you have to make sure that you're okay at the end of the day. That's saying more than no, but main, saying more no's than yes right now, mm-hmm. that's fine. And if people don't understand that, then those are people that you shouldn't even be helping to begin with because Agreed. all they're thinking about is themselves. Yeah. And actually, to be honest, sometimes I do say no to people. I'll be like, no, not right now, just to see how they respond. Yeah. I've had people that like, try to cuss me out on social media and da-da-da, oh, she doesn't care and da-da-da. But then I'll have people that are like, yo, like, she's actually helped me. And maybe not right now, but she helped me, like, three weeks later. Like, chill out. Yeah. But And then people don't understand, too, is when you when you try to out people like that on social media, other industry people can see. Like, yeah. I, like I've had other friends in the industry. There's one artist who got mad at me because I didn't, like, I told him, like, I'm not going to post your music. Like, it wasn't mixed properly. And I explained why I would yeah. not post. I'm like... The mix, the mixing of this, uh, this this song's mixing sound, mix sound is not up to the standards of our posting. If you go and get it mixed, I'll reevaluate. Yeah. He went off. I had other media music people text me like, "Yo, what is this kid's problem? Like, do you need me to custom?" I'm like, "No, just I'm like, listen, he's gonna learn the hard way. Yeah, like everyone else saw they're gonna learn the hard way, and that's why I." Do not stoop low to trolls or people who are negative. Mm-hmm. All I do is block them or mute them. I don't have time to be dealing with your energy. I don't have time to be dealing with, a lot of times that's the residual energy of how they feel about themselves. Totally. I don't have time to be dealing with that because I am not giving space in myself, in my heart, and in my environment for negativity in that aspect. Yeah. People are going to talk, and that's the one thing I learned about being a host and being from the camera. People are going to talk about you no matter what. I've had people that like, Say, like, oh, she definitely hates men because she has short hair. She has to be a lesbian. Like, what? What does that have to do with anything? I know like, the feeling. It's like, what does me having short hair have to do with any of this? But uh-huh. it's they people will always say stuff. I've had people say, like, oh, because she says something that men do in this capacity. She's she's extreme feminist or or all this stuff. And at the end of the day, I'm just like People are so narrow-minded yeah. in, in the sense of you say one thing and they're triggered off that one thing, but they don't take – people don't listen for the purpose of understanding. They listen for the purpose of reacting. And so that's why for me, when anyone's being a troll, I'll listen. I'll, I'll look at it because that, it doesn't bother me. They're not, they're not right. signing my checks. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you're not signing my check, I don't give a crap about what you say, right? Yeah. So I listen, and sometimes they may be frustrated or they may have a bad day and then they'll apologize. But if you're just – an a-hole because you're an a-hole boop, mute yeah. boop, block and totally. that's not me being oh i can't handle the heat it's just i need to keep my space and my in my sanity and my emotional uh, uh emotional state in the best way possible mm-hmm. and for me to do that i need to remove any negativity energy because i'm an i'm uh i'm an empath yeah so i feel the energy negativity totally. and, it, and it sometimes i take it in so now I don't take it in. I just get rid of it. And, and now I understand that people are usually negative and people, the way that they communicate may be in a super negative way. And at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. I read a lot of books, like the, was it the Four Agreements uh, yeah. and all this stuff. And it really talks about how a lot of times people telling you you can't do anything, you can't do something, or you or them being negative towards you or, or, or them saying anything about you is never really about you and it's yeah. more so about them. Absolutely. Uh, what are like what are some of the things that you prioritize when it comes to managing your wellness? Like do you go to a therapist? Do you get massages? Do you make sure you get a certain amount of sleep? Um, I've been a therapy kid. I Good love therapy. I suggest a lot of people go to therapy. Um, I've been going to therapy since my parents divorced when I was younger. And 
I'm such a big advocate for it because I feel like sometimes when people, you, you may not be able to see things yourself and a therapist mm-hmm. will help you to realize things. Like I realized the toxic relationships I was in and all of it stemmed from the fact that like my dad left. And so, you know, the whole typical, you know, you're trying to find love replaced for what you don't have. Yeah. I realized I was, I was in that bad pattern. Um, and I wouldn't have realized it that soon if I didn't go to therapy. Yeah. And uh, so, so sometimes I do schedule therapy. Um, I don't go every single day just because right now. Every day, that's. Well, every week, sorry. <laughs> Some people need to go every day. I but mean, every, yeah. uh, every week, sorry. I don't go to therapy every week just because um, I've learned how to develop certain, certain coping mechanisms. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because uh, there's a therapist that told me, because I, I deal with anxiety too, mm-hmm. and there's a therapist that told me, news alert. Every single person deals, has anxiety. It's just a matter of who can who can deal with the coping, who have certain coping mechanisms that they can deal with the situation. Or also, it's it's a chemical thing too. Some right. people, it's just chemically imbalanced, and they have to they struggle with it more. Yeah. While some people just have uh, better coping mechanisms who don't really have that uh, chemical issue as much. Well, and the stories already like that we've discussed, and that I heard you discuss on the music uh, business podcast, yeah. like. A lot of the stories that you're telling yourself also are positive ones of like, um, okay, this person obviously has more going on in their life. And when you mentioned something earlier about like when you're getting rejections, you don't know what else is going on. And I think that, and I'm sure this helped, I know it helped me a lot, is that like when you worked in like a corporate environment, you see oftentimes, like so many times when you're on the corporate end, you see the times that like, you know, maybe they're hiring and then a budget gets cut. And so like, they're not hiring anymore. So it's like a real reason or like, I just have been on so many teams where we're evaluating talent and it's like, oh yeah, this person's great. They're just not what we're looking for. And so to not internalize that and go like, Hey, my priorities, like my priority is not other people's job to me. Like, yeah. they're doing what's best for them. I'm going to do what's best for me. And I'm not going to yeah. disrespect them for doing that. Like, it's very important that we do what's best for us as long as it's not harming others. And knows, I always tell people, at least in career, I mean, when it comes to consensual intimacy, a no is a no. But right. when it comes to, like, work and career, a lot of times no's just mean not right now. And I yeah. think people don't understand that. Like, when I first was doing hosting stuff, I've had so many people say no to me I've had complex say no to me because I don't fit the mold for the women there mm. um and 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 not and no shade to them I'm, right. not, I'm not saying this to be shady I'm right. just saying that this is what it is right they said no to me I've had several people say no to me but when Cheddar and NBA slash NBA 2k league gave, uh, gave me a chance and I really showed what I can do. And I just adjusted certain things like cut my hair, you know, dress up a little bit more here and there. And now, like, I've been contacted by Complex to do something. I've been contacted by a lot of these other companies that have said no. But I right. didn't take it personally because I'm like, okay, I don't know what they're trying to do. And yeah. maybe I may not fit the mold now, but it doesn't mean I won't fit the mold later on. Yeah. And you can't take business personally and that's a lot that's a problem a lot of people do me whenever when anytime says anyone says no i get excited i'm like oh you say no now okay i'm gonna work to give you reasons say yes later on i'm excited and that and that motivates me to to take it to the next level like with our podcast you know i've had there have been so many people that have said they'll come on our on our podcast and then they they did the the industry ghost right or like people that didn't support it or said it was trash but now we're getting we're getting contacted by big companies. Like we actually have like 
three, four corporations that want to sponsor us and who want to support us or have us on their platform. Mm-hmm. We are getting reached out now. Right. But that's because we, we, we took the time to step back and say, okay, why? Like, is do we need to make our content better? What do we need to do to make the content better? What maybe we're not being, maybe we're too timid because we're afraid of really speaking what we think because mm-hmm. we're afraid of the blowback. And there's things that we adjusted. Like I know I was a little bit timid in the sense, like I was afraid that like if I really speak my mind on certain things, I may not get a job at somewhere X, Y, and Z. But I said, you know what? Forget it. The crazy thing about the industry is that if you're great at what you do, and if, even if you call someone out. At the end of the day, like, if you have a big falling, they're going to pick like, you up. Like, look at Joe Budden, right? Like, yeah. how many things has he said that oh. people have a problem with? How many people has he called out that people have a problem with? But at the same time, it's very it's very true to who he is. Yeah. And, in, like, from my perspective, like, if somebody goes online, like, I definitely have worked with people before that I knew were not comfortable putting me in front of a client because at the time I had a shaved head. And I was like, whatever, then don't, you know? Yeah. Because to me, like, if... If you don't want to work with me because my head is shaved, cool. Now we both know we don't want to work together. Yeah. Like, that's fine because something that I think about a lot is, like, um, when I walk around cities and I see certain businesses that are in business, I'm like, somehow these people have customers. Like, I don't understand how people are shopping here. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what kind of person's coming to this place, but somehow this person is managing to stay in business. So there really is something for everybody out there. Like, if you're... When you're creating something, you're on the end of something where there is more um, demand than there is supply because so many people aren't creating something. So many people are customers and consumers rather than creators that like, if you can do it, you should do it and stick with it. And I think you'll find yourself eventually. And if no one listens, like you've got that experience and you can, I think it's all just a very, it can be a very positive thing and it doesn't need to be internalized. Like I loved how you, you said something on the music business podcast where you were like, you know, I'm not telling you to go quit your nine to five and that's the way to go. Like maybe that works for some people, but like, it's okay to try something and do it. And like, you just need to make sure, at least for me, yeah. I need to know that I'm true to myself because what ends up happening in my experience is if that I'm not doing stuff I'm proud of and I'm doing stuff to like, you know, sort of project someone that I want to be or that yeah. I think I want to be. When people like what I do, I don't respect them. Yeah, and you have to be your hardest critic sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like for the podcast, right? When we record, it's it's crazy because sometimes when we record, I'm so in the mode, like I'm in this mode, I'm talking that I don't remember what I said. Oh, totally. So then I go back and listen, but when I listen, I listen from the standpoint of, of a consumer. Yeah. I, I, tr- I switch myself to being a consumer and saying, okay, let me listen to this episode. Is this a good episode? There have been times where I've listened to our own podcast episode and I'll text Brandon and be like, this episode is crap. We're not airing this. Yeah. Like, because if I don't, if we don't put that switch in our mind and put ourselves in, in the seat of a consumer and we don't like that episode, they're not going to like that episode, right? Yeah. Because we, but that also goes back to just me understanding content, me doing audience profiling totally. and all this stuff and knowing what the kind of stuff they Which like. Which you do put a lot of work in that for your podcast. Oh, that's like, that's a lot of, people don't understand, that is a lot, of, a lot work, of work and you have to do that work in the beginning absolutely you have to as you're putting the podcast episodes or whatever content you're putting out mm-hmm. figure out talk to your like this is the thing i find so interesting why are content creators or creators so afraid to talk to their fans ask your fans <laughs> what do you they're like how do you how do i know what they like, like go and ask them and they would be <laughs> so flattered like are you yeah. kidding me if 
if any of the podcasts I listen to, like I'm a huge Aisha Tyler fan. I listen, I like yeah. her podcast has probably not have put a new episode since 2016. And I still regularly go back and listen to specific episodes. <laughs> and like, if she were to ever go like, Hey, I noticed that you like still, for whatever reason, pay $50 a year for access to my Libsyn like catalog. Like, what would you like to hear? I would like, I would be honored. So like yeah. guests are super, or like not guests, but listeners are so happy to hear from me. Yeah. And I love, because you said that you did that. Like you definitely prioritize micro content. You mm-hmm. look at your audience. And like, I think that that strategic approach is really, some people do it naturally. And I think that that's great. Like yeah. they already know what vibes with whoever listens to them or like what their target demographic is. Yeah. But to take that time not only helps you develop better content, but it helps you have those conversations with sponsors better to yeah. go like, hey, my listeners are here. Like, I know for this podcast and for my newsletter that for whatever reason, it's like listeners are very, listeners and subscribers to my newsletter are very specifically like Gen Z and then also like older millennials, like Gen Z to early millennials. And then like a lot of, especially my newsletter, like a lot of people in like the C-suite subscribe and then a lot of people who are starting off on their careers. Yeah not a lot in the middle. And like for this podcast, like I can see on the back end what does best. And I know because Mm -hmm. I've been in marketing a long time, every episode I do with someone who's in marketing gets like a ton. And then out of nowhere, like the, I did an episode with a glaciologist that got a ton of listens. And then the one I did with a funeral home director got a ton of listens. And I was like, oh, because these are also things that like no one ever hears from, right? So when you can look at that, like it not only helps you develop your content better, but it helps me at least, and I'm sure for you too, be able to have very honest conversation with sponsors and go mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, I don't think this is actually a good fit for our audience. Or maybe if we talk about your product in this way or yeah. whatever, like it really, it really helps. And it takes out, to me, honestly, it takes a lot of my stress away where I'm like, okay, well, at least I know, like yeah. I have these facts in front of me. I'm not yeah. like over here imagining what people <laughs> like or don't like. And yeah. like one thing, I don't know if you've ever tried this, but one thing that I'm going to try for some upcoming episodes is speeding them up but then getting the pitch to be the same because I know when I'm listening to podcasts I listen to everything on two times the speed like once I started going like 1.2 1.5 1.75 I can no longer listen to an episode any podcast on like a normal speed because I'm like oh my god like this is like molasses in the winter like I cannot and so probably maybe not for your episode because we're both fast talkers yeah (laughs) but for other people's episodes for sure I'm like just tweaking it up to like 1.3 and getting the pitch to be the same because I want to see and like for sure I'm going to ask like people who've left good reviews like hey can you let me know what you think about this just to see like it's not going to hurt you to ask people yeah you you and it's it's good that you realize that because we realize something about grassroots and sense and you know I don't mind giving out this tidbit um we realized that when we first started doing the podcast, we were trying to be, I wouldn't say careful, but we were overanalyzing mm-hmm. how we said certain mm-hmm. things to the point where it was making it a little bit boring. Right. And so we realized, like, yes, we're very intelligent people, but there are times for us to be very uh, meticulous with the wording. And then there's times for us to be like, that's crap, and this is why. Like, yeah. sometimes just saying, like, this is crap, but let me back up why I'm saying it is crap, yeah. right? Or sometimes there's, you know, there's points where having the conversation be very calm, but then all of a sudden we, we make a joke or or we start arguing. Like, yeah. there's, there's such an art form to knowing where in your content piece you need to have things pick up or mm-hmm. when you need to, if the conversation is drawing, where to switch it and all yeah. that stuff. And 
analytics will show you that. Like totally. I can literally look in the back of our YouTube channel and see where do people fall off? Where do we need to make it exciting? And right. we, and based off of the analytics, I can tell you, okay, if this is a super serious, serious conversation and the last time we put it in the front, they fell off at this point, let's put it in the middle. Let's put it yeah. in the back. We adjust it and we right. can see how do we formulate the content so that it, it's best for what the audience wants. Of course, whenever you're doing content, yeah, you want to do it in a way that you still enjoy and the way that you want, but people also forget you need to cater your content for your audience. Yeah. They are important. Find that middle ground, or even if it's not middle, because 50-50, when I say balance, it's not always 50-50. Sometimes it's 60-40, mm -hmm. 70-30, whatever you're comfortable with. You have to find that point where you do not forget your core fans, but you also figure out, okay, what can we do differently to start bringing in a new audience? That's why on our podcast, we talk about video games. We talk about, because one, it's true to who we are. Yeah. And also, I said on the last episode, I was like, when people think about just, the, people call us a hip-hop podcast. We're not a hip-hop podcast. Like, we have hip-hop acts yeah. on our podcast. Right. We're not a hip-hop podcast. We talk, if you listen, we talk about music. We talk about video games. We talk about all these things. We may draw you in with the artists. We may draw you in with the music. But a lot of people say, don't stop talking about Marvel. Don't stop talking about the nerdy stuff. Because that's yeah. how we stand out. And I've said on our podcast, the problem with hip-hop and, and the problem with people viewing hip-hop and, and viewing black celebrities is they think that, that we are so um, one particular way. Right. Like, we as people are complex, yeah. right? So if you're, you may want to hear your hip-hop act talk about music, but you may not realize that he's a big video gamer. That's the thing with Little Brother. They didn't realize, like, what, you're a big video gamer? Holy right. crap, you're an extra in the color purple? Like, And the, there's fans that said... They've been fans of those two acts for the longest time, and right. they learn something new. Which is so but, cool. But you can't learn something new if you just stick to one thing. In the totally. sense of sticking to, like, I think that, sorry, I'm going on a tangent. I no, love no, talking about good. content. But I think the problem that people don't understand is that when it comes to content, right, they think that you have to just fit, you have to be one thing and fit one Like, Oh, we only have to talk about one thing. It's like, no. Your lane is based upon what is the overarching thing. Like our lane is what we are known for is we are known for having celebrities and ourselves talk about top topics that you won't find anywhere else, mm -hmm. right? We were having little brother talk about, um, oh my God, what was it? Uh, some recent news of a comedian who is allegedly like a pedophile in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. Having them talk about that. Um, you know, we had uh, Danny Lay, like who... She did a, a choreography for Prince, and everyone was asking her that. And I straight up asked her, do you get tired of people asking that question? Right. And she's like, yeah. And then we had her talk about, like, how do you, how do you balance that then? How do you balance, like, you're known for your dancing, your choreography, and people are going to ask you about the celebrity, celebrities that you worked with. Does, does that make, don't you get tired of it? But then how do you do it in a way where you don't come off as, like, a rude person and you're able to move into where you, like, where, like the area you want to talk about? Yeah. So we're known for asking hard questions. And I always tell every guest that comes on, I always tell every publicist, if you tell us not to talk about a topic, guess what? We're going to talk about that topic. If you're coming on our podcast, we're going to ask those tough questions. Because also it's your territory. Yeah, like, this is our lane. It's one thing to me if it's something like very personal that somebody's like, yeah. that like deeply personal where it's like, okay, that's fair that maybe we don't want to like talk about. And it's not relevant to the podcast, right? So yeah. it's like not relevant, something you'd bring up anyways. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, just good context to know. 
Um, but at the same time, it's like, hey, this is your platform. You want to talk about something and also like trust that like you and remind me of your co-host name again. Brandon. Brandon. That like the two of you are also like emotionally and socially intelligent enough that you can have a conversation with someone about something sensitive yeah. and literally have the conversation. Yeah. Like because you're both, I listened to the little brother episode and a few other episodes yeah. and it's like you both know how to have a conversation with people. You're not just like you know, going off a and a of like, okay, well, and my next question is this, whatever. Yeah. So like, trust that like, we as humans know how to be humans. Yeah. And talk to people. And you both do a really good job of that, of having those conversations. And we, and like you said, we do it in a respectful way. Like we, um, uh, Rico Love, there was something that he said a while ago that we did not agree with. And mm -hmm. his publicist is my friend. And I was like, listen, if he's coming on our show, we're all going to ask him about that. And my friend, he knows me. He, he like, his, his his name is Quinnell Holder. He's my he's like my brother. And he was like, Aaron, like if I did not want you to ask that question, I would not have him come to your podcast, right? right. So, but it, the great thing is like that's our lane. Mm -hmm. Our lane for our podcast isn't about the topics. Right. It's that we are going to ask the questions, the hard questions, the unique questions that at the end of the day, you're going to learn something new about your favorite artist, your favorite athlete that you otherwise would not have known. Because the one thing that we always tell guests is if you're coming on our show, you need to be 100% honest and open. And if not, we're going to delete that episode. I should have tell them. I'm not going to yeah. air it. If I feel like you're too PC, I'm not going to air it. Yeah. Because we're not the platform for that. Right? Yeah. And so, but we also tell them like, we don't want to be PC, but we're not going to put you in a horrible predicament. But listen, whatever you say, it's on you. It's your responsibility. So if you say something crazy, it's not getting taken out. Right. Like, that's on you. Yeah, but definitely. But we set the standard. So that's how we're able to fit our lane. Because at first, like, you know, we're like, okay, if we don't talk about hip-hop, they're not going to be here. That's fine. That's why, and, and, and I actually tweeted about this, how artists and creatives don't understand the importance of audience segmentation. That mm -hmm. you're not going to have every single content piece appeal to every single person. Right. There's certain things that you do. Like, we do still have hip-hop conversations because that is our main audience. So we right. make sure we have hip-hop conversations or music conversations. But that's why we talk about Marvel and video games or whatever to show different sides. Because that's how you draw in other audiences. Because mm -hmm. video gamers listen to hip-hop. Hip-hop people play video games. Yeah. They watch Marvel movies. So we, there's always going to be that kind of like, it's kind of like the triangle, right? You can only get two sides. You can never get all three. So we always think about how do we formulate our content where we can always hit those two sides, whether it's music and nerds or nerds and gaming or gaming and hip-hop and, and finding that. Yeah, and having those human conversations with people does help them open up more yeah. because if you're just asking very pointed questions, like if we were to be here and me go like, so do you like hosting? Do you like being on? Like that's, <laughs> not, that's not interesting to you. It's not going to get your brain going. You're yeah. going to be, you know, kind of tuned out of this conversation. But when you can get people excited about other things in their life, yeah. right? Like then you also can peel back layers about their craft and what they do in ways yeah. that you normally wouldn't. And I think, I don't know if I sent you sort of like the tiered things that are like important to me about this podcast, but mm -hmm. a lot of it is going like, hey, we're complex people. I want to humanize success yeah. and go like, yeah, this person isn't, I went to this um, like Nat Geo NASA event and yeah. like the guy who was the speaker was also an astronaut. Mm -hmm. And 
I think somebody asked him a question like, oh, like, I wish I could go to space, but I'm a normal person. And he was like, what do you, like, I am also just a normal person. <laughs> what? Like, what do you have an alien? <laughs> right. And he was like, yeah, I just, that's, I mean, it took me a long time. Like, I kept working at it. But like, what do you, like, are you telling me I'm not a normal person that I don't have breakfast with my kids in the morning and like, I don't also sleep? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what are you trying to say about me as a human? I think it's, it is really interesting. And I think it's important. I think it's important in a twofold way to humanize success in a way yes. that it's like important that people then treat successful people with respect and give them space of like, like when I hear people talking about like uh, just especially athletes, right? Yeah. And the expectations they have for athletes. And I'm like, oh, really? Like, how did you behave at 22 years old? And like, how would you have behaved at 22 years old if you were making like $2 million a year? Yeah. Like, you think you'd be responsible and smart and wise with your money? Like, <laughs> especially when. Like, when you think about organizations like the NFL, like, it's to their benefit that players don't wisen up. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. so they're not out here educating their players with, yeah. like, financial advice and other things that they can be doing with all. Because athletes also have a ton of free time. Yeah. That, like, they're not educating them with, like, hey, here's things that you can do so when you're done yeah. with the NFL that, like, you'll have a you bright do future. Something else. But it's also... There's also a responsibility on people who are successful people, even people like myself, to let people know that the journey isn't so sugar-coated and sweet. Right. I think a lot of times when people look on social media, they look on, like, the positive things, the great side. And that's why, like, so in 2000, let me get the year right, 2018, mm -hmm. I was laid off. I was unemployed for pretty much, like, from full-time job for a year. Yeah. Because um, I had hip surgery, so literally half the year I couldn't even work. And then I started fresh towards mid of that year. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to start highlighting and, and talking about how I feel. I'm going to show people my struggles. Because right. people were putting me on this pedestal that I was not comfortable being on. And also people were also coming at me as if like I was the golden ticket. And I'm like, you know what? Let me start showing humanizing success in a way where it shows people like this is not always sweet you know right and um and another thing too is like this is something that i always tell people do not ask me this question right people always ask me like tell me about your journey right tell me about your story and it's not that i have a problem telling about my story but right. i always tell people if you if you want me to mentor you don't ask me about my path because my path is not going to be the same path as yours right you should not follow exactly what I especially, did. Especially, like, I'm sorry to say, but I'm like, especially because, like, technology moves so quickly. Yeah. If you were to follow what any of, like, the journalists that we looked up to growing up were doing, you'd be archaic. You know what I mean? Like, don't don't come look at my path and go, like, well, you were doing a lot on Facebook, so I started doing that today. And you're like, no. Facebook is not the place, like, yeah. I loved. Um, you talked about how you have, like, a group chat for your podcast. Yes. And that's such a smart idea to, like, activate via text rather than like relying on an algorithm mm -hmm. because the algorithm will always change. And with text is like, you know that people are going to be in that conversation. And these, and the group chat is our biggest fans and, and, and we do it in a way where we, it, it's interesting though, because people don't understand that the group chat, yes, it, it, it provides value for the fans themselves, but mm -hmm. also provides value for us because we totally. further understand who are our hardcore fans, right? What do they want? Literally sometimes we'll drop stuff in there and be like, what'd you guys think? What did you not like? What did you did like? They'll be like, oh, that was your best episode ever. Mm -hmm. Why? Da, 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 da. That's literally our, uh, our uh, what you call it? Sorry, I'm so focus tired. Group. Focus group. Thank you. That's yeah. our focus group, right? 
And but we put it in a way where we still like our fans, our hardcore fans, like they're amazing because like we do we sometimes do like get togethers. Like we did a get together at Dave and oh, Buster's really? and with oh, our that's fans. So cute. And we hung out with them. Yeah. And we show our appreciation because they did not have to be our biggest supporters. Like they mm-hmm. buy they bought our merch and that buying merch helped us with getting more equipment. Like mm-hmm. we show our appreciation in that capacity and they've helped us so much of the process. I don't think and I wanted to big, give a shout out to the group chat because I don't think they really understand how much they've really helped us as a podcast grow. Mm-hmm. Because they're the ones that gave us feedback. They're the ones right. that were like when they talked about certain things that were said, we're like, oh, that's a, that's something we should highlight when we tweet it. Like, yeah, all that stuff, absolutely. right? And so that's why I always tell people it's it's important for you to be, as a content creator, you have to be a great listener. Yeah. Like, you can't just put the stuff out and be like, hey, watch my thing. Listen, listen, listen. Totally. If you put it out, you got you to gotta listen yourself. See what content resonates. What are people replying to? How are people responding? Make one tweet. Uh, A B testing. Tweet it one way, tweet it another. See what they're right. responding to. You gotta you have to be a really great strategist, you have to be a really great listener and observer and be able to then uh, take the information and then be able to uh, uh, tell what you potentially think could happen in the future. Yeah. Based off of like so for example, like based off of like uh, uh, hip hop acts like coming before. Anytime we have a hip hop act now, I'm like, I know what resonates. I mm-hmm. know what media companies will pick up, you know. I can I can look into the future because the analytics tell me so, right? right. And and you have a fact base to go yes. off. It's not just a feeling. Like you have sometimes it is. Sometimes that sometimes is, that it is helpful. Is. But it's also when you're trying to make a decision on something that you're so like you know trying to see the forest from the trees. Yeah. Having those numbers mm-hmm. and like taking the time to get those numbers helps a ton. Also, I know that you need to go soon. So oh no, we're fine. You don't? Oh no, no, we have, have we have another. We have another 15 minutes. We're good. Okay. Well, then let me let me ask. Or I, 15. What, well, I feel, actually, I feel like my next two questions might take a little bit to answer. Yeah, yeah no so, worries. So one <laughs> is what are ways that you, because you did mention that you've been taking some time, um, probably it sounds like the like last half of this year, yeah. to really focus on yourself. What yeah. are ways that you um, challenge yourself to grow? Like what are some of the things that you do? Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. So one of the ways I challenge myself to grow is I learn something new that I don't know about. Um, and Or I'll do something that I've never done before. Like what? Give me some examples. Um, like, uh, I'm trying to think of a really, really good one. <laughs> um, I, I asked someone to teach me Chinese. Like, oh, cool. Like, even if it's just certain words, right? right. I, I think that... I'm constantly trying to, and, and this may sound really weird, but I don't care because I am very interesting weird myself, but I'm someone who likes to make myself uncomfortable because mm-hmm. success is, the journey of success is a very uncomfortable journey. And if you're comfortable with being uncomfortable, you will be more able to adjust and make the necessary yes. decisions that you need. So I always try to do things that I know that I cannot do well. Mm-hmm. And even if I embarrass myself, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, like, for example. Which is an important muscle to yeah. flex. Like, every time, like, listen, on Cheddar Esports, they always have me play games that I don't play. I don't play fighting games. I'm trash at fighting games. Mm-hmm. But I still play, and I'm competitive. So I'm like, okay. Sometimes I do beat my co Like Like, the other day. Um, one, of, one of our producers on on site producers, Zane. He's like the biggest Smash, mm-hmm. uh, Super Smash Bros. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, player. I beat him at Smash. Oh, that's very exciting! I didn't even care yeah. in my head. I was like, I don't even care if he's the greatest. I'm gonna find a way, and if I lose, it's okay. 
It's like it's like saying it's like when people say like, "What's the worst thing that can happen? I lose. Truly. So what? Like the sun will still rise yeah. tomorrow. You're not getting fired. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm just gonna lose on on, on, on TV. Game. I don't yeah. care. I'm still getting paid. But I beat him. It was the greatest feeling ever. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" But I I I put myself in an uncomfortable position where you know people can criticize me for not being good at certain games. But I don't care yeah. because at the end of the day, like that's helping me grow. And then also putting myself in that position. I'm learning about the game more so I can talk about it more. Right. When you put yourself in these uncomfortable things, you try new things, you can actually apply those things. And I think that like, like even like learning how to, like even meditation, right? I've started to meditate a lot more. And I realized that meditation can be very crucial, important for even content creation. Absolutely. Even other stuff. There's certain things you can take from doing things that you haven't done before and applying it to the work that you do. So I always try to put myself and try new things. And mm -hmm. even if I look like a fool doing it, I don't care. Right? right. And then another thing that I do is I read a lot. Mm -hmm. What I, are you reading right now? Um, so I'm reading. Um, so I finished the four agreements uh -huh. and, and that kind of helped me. with That my, has been so many people in my life. Weirdly enough in the last year, I've seen it at like five different friends houses, like on their coffee it's, table. And stuff. It's, it's great for sure. I was just like, this is weird. It keeps popping. Up. I know because the, the, the foundational things of it is, is, is so easy for someone to apply. And it may not be easy to do all the time, but it's so applied to be like, mm -hmm. listen, sometimes you can step back and realize that that person, if they're saying something to you has nothing to do with you, has to do with them. Right. right. And that, Choose your words wisely because they're yes. powerful and impactful, right? But that's why I'm someone on social media. When something happens, I don't instantly tweet. Unless yeah. it's something that I have knowledge about. Like when people are talking about video games and violence, I'm like, this is a crock of bullshit. Like yes. video games do not make you violent. Stop yeah. it. There's enough scientific evidence that says that this is not something that is backed by science. Right. You cannot say that. I'm tired of these politicians saying that. They yes. don't want to point at the fact that racism is involved in it. Other things, the fact that we don't even provide efficient budget towards mental health. Like, there's so many other right. problems. You want to point at video games? Mm -hmm. No. You're doing this because you want your hands in the pocket of this industry. And it's an easy way to um, sort of, like, boil a complex issue down to, yeah. like, a, a quick solve, you know, in the way that, like, it. which, sure, like, surveillance from police officers is a great... Like, sure, that should happen. Yeah. At the same time, is it solving anything? No. You know what I mean? It's just, a, exactly. it's like a quick band-aid to put on to go like, hey, we did something when the issue is much deeper. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so that's worth talking about for sure. Because you like, yeah. also you're like, hey, I play video games all the time. You don't see me like starting fights. Yeah. I'm like, if anything, they prevent me from getting right. angry at someone. If anything, <laughs> I get my frustration out. And I'm all flipping out. I always joke because I always tell people, I'm like, I'm an Aries and I'm Puerto Rican, so I'm extra feistiness. So, but I joke about that. <laughs> When's your birthday? April 15th. Okay. Tax day. I know. Mm. Wonderful. Like but I get my taxes life. done early, so on my birthday, it's all right. All that money I get back from the state and the, the government, I spend it. Um, <laughs> I'm a saver, guys. Don't worry. Um, so I've been re I've finished The Art of Not Giving a Fuck, mm -hmm. and I'm reading the second book after... Sorry, my brain is so I know fried. what you're talking about. But the second book yeah. that came out, I'm reading that. Um, also, another book I got is, um, for those, I'm sorry if I don't have the names, just ask me later. I'm dealing with a sinus infection. I can, also, infection, so I can I'm put like, it in uh, the intro or outro. Okay. I'm yeah. like, I'm dealing with a sinus infection, so my head is tweet like, it at me my, my, my head is, yeah, tweet me and I'll give it to you. Um, <laughs> the seven habits of the highly, habits of highly efficient yeah. people yes that's another one that i'm gonna read next that one's i read the teenage version when i was like 12 and it was okay. it was good it's helpful for sure i think that that's also do you ever do audiobooks 
Um, sometimes. Yeah. So I, I'm someone who I do audio books like for when I go work out in the gym, but uh-huh. I'm, I'm someone that I, I want it in my hands. Yeah. Like I was same. always this. I was always. I was. I'm such a nerd and I love it. I was a kid that on my birthday I would ask for my mom to take me to Barnes and Noble oh instead of like getting other stuff. Yeah. Uh, Christmas was like the video games and all that stuff. Yeah. But my birthday was like, take me to Barnes and Noble. So I'm going to get liked, books. like books and like I wanted like a microscope and like science stuff. Yes, I, I was, wanted like, I that wanted a rock stuff. tumbler. <laughs> and I was, I was always this kid who, I don't know why, but like I had such a great, I have such a great imagination. Like when I'm reading a book, it plays in my head like a movie. Mm-hmm. It's really weird to describe it that way, but that's how it is. Like, I, yeah. I can see everything so vividly when I'm reading. So I need, like, for me, I need a book in my Especially hand. Especially for fiction. Like, to me, I think mm-hmm. it's, and I think it's really important. For a long time, I sort of abandoned fiction because yeah. uh, I was like, well, I need to, I have all these things with my life I need to do. Yeah. And um, my friend Megan was on the podcast, and she's probably one of the smartest people I've ever worked with. She is, <laughs> yeah. I have, like, the biggest mega brain crush on her where I'm like, oh, my God, just talk to me all day. <laughs> just tell me some new stuff. Totally. And, like, just the way she internalizes information and pulls it apart is magical. So, and we were talking, and we were talking about, like, how we both um, found, and I think this happens a lot for women who are entering business where you're like, no, I need to know everything. Like, I need yeah. all of the answers. I need to have read all of these business books for better, for worse. You know, like, yeah. And we both were like, oh my gosh, I forgot how to like use my brain. Like I for sure was like, oh, I don't remember how to have an imagination. And yeah. so like peeling back those layers and like starting to read fiction again and like um, like magical realism and stuff like yep. that, I found so helpful in terms of stemming other creative thoughts and yeah. even like business ideas and going like, oh, that's so fascinating. And it, I think it it is really important. So for fiction, I need that. But there's some stuff like like Ryan Holiday's books and like easy audiobook. Yeah. Like I don't need to be reading all that. Like what apps and or services, I guess, do you use to like organize your time, like yeah. just do life better? What helps you in terms of that? So I always keep notifications off. Um, so the, important. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so important. Like I do not have notifications for my emails. I do not have notifications for Slack for my job. The only notifi- notifications I have on is text. Uh-huh. But even still, like if I put my phone on vibrate, I don't hear it. I'll check it later. Like I have two here, but I didn't even look at it. Mm-hmm. And I do that because there needs to be boundaries, yes. especially for work. Um, for the podcast though, so, okay, it's a little bit different for the things that I do. Right. For the podcast, if it's Brandon, I'll always answer because we own this podcast. Right. Like, it's, it's the same thing as it's if yours. anyone starts up a company. Like, yeah. you're going to be doing things in a startup, like, you're literally 24-7 going to be doing things. Later on, then you can pull back because you're going to get the right people in place. Right. We have a team where there's certain things that... I don't have to do anymore that I can allocate to them. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, like if he texts me, he's like, we need to talk about the podcast. I'm going to answer. Right. If it's my, if it's cheddar, I'm like, y'all can wait till I come into the office on Monday. Yes. And if it's super, super important, but if I'm working, sometimes we have to work during the weekends because of tournaments. Right. If I need, if I need to work, that's different. But yeah. if I'm off, this can wait unless it's like a dire situation. Like if it's like, oh my gosh, Aaron, um, your Twitter got re, hacked. Re, or, or, or Rihanna wants to do a gaming thing, but it right. has to be Sunday at 2 p.m. I know it's Saturday and I can't do it. I'm like, I'm there. It's Rihanna, of course. You don't want to tell right. me twice. You could literally tell me, go now, and I would go. Yeah. But, like, there has to be set of boundaries. And, 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 and you have to set those boundaries yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's why sometimes you have to be like, no. There's definitely times I set in my job. Because I, I, I work, so what people know is I am a permanent part-time right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're working on making me full time, but I'm a permanent part time anchor, which allows me to do other work at Cheddar Esports. At Cheddar Esports, yeah, I only can work five six hours. There are some mm-hmm. times where I have to even tell my coworkers I can't do that. 
that's going beyond my hours. Now, that could come across as mean, but it's not. Right. They understand because there has to be boundaries. There has to be a, a respectful boundary for, you know, HR set this hours. They said it. I didn't. They said it. Yeah. So I'm going to follow what they said. And in that world, because I've seen this a lot of agencies where people are like, well, I'll just do it. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's very important yeah. that if you're being asked to do things outside of your, like, 20 allocated hours a week or whatever that may be, yeah. that, like, no one's going to give you more hours if, like, every single week you don't flag, like, hey, it's Tuesday, I'm already 15 hours in. But it's also understanding, right? Yes, it's understanding. It, it's It's also, like, for example, because people ask me, like, what do you think about free work? And I'm like, I did a lot of free work when I was younger, but it's about balancing and seeing, does this make sense for me? Yeah. Like, for am example, I am I learning? Yeah, for example, I went out to California for E3, but I, but the main reason why I went out to California is to do a segment with Snoop Dogg. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course they pay, they pay me full time. Like that's the amazing thing about cheddar. Like when they, when you bring big stuff to the table or, or, or anything like that, they're going to pay you. Right. But even if they weren't paying me the full amount, I would have still done that because doing a gaming segment with Snoop Dogg will help to solidify not only the show, but myself. Absolutely. More. There's value in that. You have to, not only do you have to have boundaries for yourself, but there's a balancing act that you have to say, Okay, does this make sense? Yeah. And that's literally I'm my if you guys you guys can't see it, but I got two hands out. Balancing <laughs> and waiting. And people have to understand that balance does not necessarily mean 50-50, right? Yeah. There's sometimes a scale tips a little bit, sometimes it goes back to normal, sometimes it goes the other way. Mm-hmm. You have to understand, like, okay, I have this opportunity in front of me, right? Yes, I, I work five, six hours, but if I do another hour, will this provide value to me? Right. right, it may not be monetary value, but would it provide value? Yeah. Like if your job says, "Hey, we can't pay you, but there's an opportunity for you to do X, Y, and Z." If you let them know, I'm only going to do it now, like that. And 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 another thing too is, I guess, let me backtrack a little bit. Always start off with them paying you. Yeah. Start off with what you want. Yeah. And then have, and then you can show them the other benefits, um, but don't always start off for free. But unless you're starting the industry, because sometimes yeah. if you're starting the industry and you want a quick way to build up your resume, free work is the way to build it up. Right. You can always end that whenever. But when you're at a point like myself, I don't do free stuff anymore. Like, mm-hmm. like with certain friends, like I always tell people, with friends, I'll do free stuff. Mm-hmm. But I always tell them, don't give me something that doesn't make sense for me. If right. it makes sense, I'll do it for free. Yeah. But that's only for friends, guys. Do not come to me asking me to do free stuff. <laughs> uh, if it's anyone else, I have a price. But I'm willing to right. negotiate. If it's something that's going to give me so much value, I'll be like, okay, if you don't have this amount, I'm willing to work with this amount, right? Mm-hmm. It's about the checks and balance and, and, and understanding. And that should be in life. Your The balancing act should be in life. And for some people, the balance act is 60% work and 40% like setting that boundary and having my life. Some people can some people can work for 12 hours a day and then only have a small amount of time that they need for themselves and they're okay with it. Yeah. You have to figure out what is that percentage that works for you and keeping to that and setting the boundaries whenever anyone's trying to exceed that. Right. Do you use any task apps? Um, let me see. I have a lot of different apps on my phone. Yeah, um, like because I think it's really, I think it helps because I agree with you. Notifications are a huge one for sure for yeah. conserving energy. Like I, I have my phone on do not disturb from 4 p.m. until noon every day. Oh, wow. So like that whole gap, I'm like, that's for me. And like if I check it and I see that, cool. But like, and I only have like right now my Twitter DM notifications are on because we were talking and scheduling where I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm in New York. I'm scheduling stuff, especially 
a lot of my friends are here right now for fashion week. I want to make sure that we're able to communicate and yeah. that I'm not over here like, oh, you messaged me something urgent eight hours ago and I didn't know yeah. this. So it's huge. Uh, you know, it, it definitely is. Um, so funny enough, I have a lot of video games on my phone, not because of what I do for a living, but more so that that's my way sometimes to decompress. Totally. Um, then I also have, let me get, uh, so I also have it, well, I also check to see how much time I'm spending on certain apps. Yeah. Especially like Instagram or something. Which is Because I catch myself scrolling one. as a way, totally. and sometimes I gotta decompress from social media. Um, I also utilize meditation apps on Which my phone. Which um, uh, Headspace. Yeah. I use. I have Headspace that I actually use a lot. Uh, but I've also learned to meditate. It's funny. I like to meditate in the shower because mm -hmm. white noise or consistent noise soothes me. Yeah. And so that shower, just hearing the shower water goes, helps me get into that meditative state a lot more. I've had several guests say that they use like the frequency meditations and they're really mm -hmm. into that. Yeah, because I sometimes use a, my white noise app to help me sleep because my mm -hmm. mind's like going loud. Yeah. So I'll put like like a like a rain or totally. like the hearing like a shower or something and yeah. it and helps me go to sleep. Um, I also have let me see I have a few other apps that I utilize. Well, I have the application that like stops me from using apps past nine p.m. That oh really? That, Which I'm one like, do you use? It's it's already it's oh, already it's built, in. into, it's built into the phone. Do you like do you do stuff like do you have your groceries delivered? Do you get massages? Like what do you? Uh, I go and actively get my groceries. There's there's a lot of stuff that I try to actively go and do, and I try to avoid using apps just because it gets me out of my apartment and gets me mm. away from my work. Yeah, fair. And I like to do that. I also I also like to when it's summertime. I like to go for walks, just some like walking yeah, around. It's the best. I also have what else? I do I do just I do lists, but I'm someone who likes to like write my lists down yeah. in like an actual pen like pen and. Totally. Paper. I don't usually like to use it on my phone itself, but I mean, I'm I'm fairly good with managing my time. Oh, I have so many alarms I set, so many freaking alarms <laughs> I set. I literally will like if I have a meeting or something and I get so hooked up in work, I literally send like schedule like eight alarms just yeah. to make sure I get there on time. Like I'm 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 crazy like that. I hate being I hate being late. Same. I'm the person I hate being I hate being super late. If I'm a little bit it's okay. But if I'm right. like, oh my god, it's like in traffic 30 minutes late. I think we all <gasps> anticipate people are gonna be like five minutes late. You yeah. know what I mean? I think we can all sort of anticipate like yeah that's a reasonable life happens. Yeah. You know, like Oh yeah. Life happens, things happen. Like this morning, I for sure, I for sure was even going to be earlier. And then I like, when I was done recording yesterday, I stashed my like mic case somewhere. Yeah. And I was just, and like basically my entire wardrobe is black and my mic case is black. And so I was digging <laughs> through like all my suit, because I have two suitcases where I'm sitting. And I was just like, how am I ever going to find this stupid thing? <laughs> and then I was like, shoot, well now I like have to like, I can't stop and do whatever yeah. I was going to do on the way or whatever. But, um. Life does happen. So five minutes, I think, is like a yeah. reasonable. But yeah, I, I hate being late, especially like, I don't know. I just, um, I had an epiphany like a year or two ago where I was like, oh, it really is disrespectful yeah. to other people's time. Um, yeah. but And also, I really try not to use too many apps on my phone. I really, I have a notebook. Um, yeah. Actually, do I have it with me? I may have it with me. I'm a big notebook um, fan. I have like three different notebooks, all with three different purposes. Oh my gosh, yes. I always, I have, and I, once I'm done filling them, I like, I stash them in a certain uh, place. 
but I'll also mark in my book what they are. Like I have yeah. content strategy books. Yeah. Um, I'll have some books that are like inspirational books. Like if I'm inspired by something or if I see someone, like, like if I see an interview, I'm like, oh my God, I want them for grassroots. Yes. Look at, I mean, they can't see, but like I have so much notes from strategy notes. Like oh, yeah. I'm always just taking information in. Oh, and your notes in. are so. Uh, I schedule it by dates too. They're like nice and straight. I know, but my, my handwriting is super no, no, no. crap. <laughs> I, well, I say they're nice and straight because um, I think, no, this isn't the right one for that. I a lot of times do like weird margins and stuff. Oh, and oh yeah, that was for, this is for work. This is for work. I, I, had, I had to draw something for. But I literally will fill up my notebooks to yeah. the point, and then I'll buy new ones. And and then I'll also once I'm done filling them in, I'll like go through it and say, what did I mostly write in here? Same. And I'll be like, oh, this is a strategy and right. you know inspiration book. Or sometimes I'll have books, and, and usually like what I do is I. It's funny. I, I'll I'll schedule it out by dates. I sometimes write on the top like what exactly it yeah. is. If I see a tweet that I'm like, oh wow, I really need this. I'll, like I'll write it down. Like yeah. I always, I'm someone who firmly believes like there's so much inspiration and things that you can apply around. But a lot of times we, that's why I, I try not to put any apps in my phone for yeah. management, and I keep it in my in my notebook because I want to look around the world and see what's going on yes. and what's happening around me and totally. see things like. And I'm um, what people don't really don't know. I'm actually really big in photography. Like I have my own. Really? Yeah, I have my own camera. Everything. I did not know this. And sometimes, where do you put these photos? Um, you I used to put them to yourself. No, I put them up on. I sometimes I think I posted some on Instagram, but I mostly post them on like Facebook or I, I'll just keep them. Oh, Erin, like, that's so nice. So like what I like to do is um I sometimes like to decompress. I'll like I'll like walk outside on like on a Friday like at six or seven PM with my camera and I'll just walk around and take photos of people. And it's 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 amazing how much you can take in just from looking at your surroundings. Like there was this photo I took and this guy was slumped over in in his and because I I don't know if he was drunk or whatever, but he was slumped over. But you could see the sadness in his face. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know what he's going through. And of course, like, and the reason why I didn't post that photo is because, like, I didn't ask for permission. Course, but, like, I yeah. took a photo of him because I'm just like, wow. Like, it reminds you that, like, everyone around you is dealing with their own demons and problems and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I love photography because so much can be captured in one photo. Agreed. So much emotions and feelings and sometimes some sometimes inspiration, right? And so... Um, that's that's what I love. I love the fact of like observing your surroundings and sometimes observing your surroundings to capture maybe that one moment in time that can have a lasting effect. And Agreed. so that's why I freaking love oh, photography. That's so, so beautiful. Yeah, you know, I love. I, there's so many things. Like I love photography. I love art. Like mm -hmm. uh, my mom's a painter. My family is very. Um, my family. My mom taught me, uh, she says she wanted to raise me as a renaissance woman. She says, I want you to be, I want you to have passions and interests in, in multiple things. I want you mm -hmm. to obviously excel in one thing and do it really well. But I also want you to be able to love other things and, and be okay with, you know, uh, having interests in other things because that's going to make you a more well-rounded person. And that's why my mom took me to watch plays as a kid. I used to do acting, mm -hmm. right? Because everyone's like, how are you great in front of the camera? I'm like, I used to act as a kid, mm -hmm. you know? That was actually a, a career path that I was potentially going to take and also modeling. But then mm -hmm. my mom was just like, I don't want you doing that at a young age. Like, I want you to be a kid. Yeah. So I stopped then. I played soccer. Um, you know, I uh, did art. My mom used to paint with me. I took art class and I was really good at art. Like, I doodle now. Like, I, I, I would draw and stuff and people were like, oh my gosh, you draw? And I'm like, yeah. And I always and I, and I always find that there are there there's inspirations and then and there's ways to draw the creativity to draw things out of you. I think mm -hmm. sometimes like 
especially in, in marketing, I know you can test this, it's either you're just a numbers person or you're a creative person. But right. I'm someone where it's like, why can't I be both? You know, Agreed. I think when yeah. both when both sides marry, that's actually when the best content comes about. Absolutely. So in order for me to exercise my creativity, I, I will draw or I'll paint or even play video games, right? Yeah. Sometimes like even sometimes playing video games, like the greatest ideas will pop in my head as I'm like shooting someone in like Rainbow Six or Call of Duty. It's just a funny thing totally. that happens. But... Well, because you're using a different part of your brain, but lets the other one have some room to yeah. breathe. And you're not like, I mean, who's ever had a good idea if you sat down and like, I need to have a good idea now. Yeah. Give me one brain. Like, or, that's or they works. walk away. Or they walk right. away from something they're doing and then you realize, holy crap, you came back with a better idea instead totally. of stressing yourself out. Exactly. Uh, the last question I yes. ask everybody is what is something that you would want to hear a future episode of like the behind the scenes about when it comes to like this podcast oh like, what they would want to hear from the behind like, the scenes like what do you want to hear a future episode on like I so for example like um, I had somebody on talking about he works in the aluminum industry so we yeah. talked about how aluminum gets like farm to table so to speak and yeah. then I had somebody on who is a um, he's a cosmologist so okay. um, and he's like was up for a Nobel Prize and then wrote a book about losing the Nobel Prize. So, and, like, so we talked about his world, world of astrophysics. Yeah. So, like, what is either, like, a career or a product or, like, whatever that you would want to hear a future episode on? Huh, that's a good question. What would I want to hear a future episode on? Um, that's, like, a hard question for me because I'm such a, like, learning nerd. So mm -hmm. anything and everything I like to hear about. But... I think one thing that I'm so interested in about, and and I'm always like, why do these people, I want to hear about people who do jobs that like no one else wants to do, right? Yeah. Like, like, like septic tank cleaners. Totally. Or like the, like the, um, the windmills, the people that go up and fix the windmills, yeah. like that stuff scares the crap out of me uh-huh but it's like those are jobs that no one really wants to do right. and i want to understand aside from the fact that like they're going to do what they need to do to take care of their family but like i want to really understand and process like how are they able to do these jobs that either people are afraid of or it's like disgusting as heck and yeah how do they build up that mentality because those are people who build up some of them, like, for example, women people, they probably, some of them are probably not afraid of heights, but there may be some who are afraid of heights. So it's like, how did you, what did you do to build up to get past your fear? Or what did you do to get to this point? Is this somewhere you want to go? Because I think a lot of times when people look at careers and stuff like that, they look at the ones that are, like, beautifully presented, right? Well, the ones that but, we put on a, a pedestal yeah, as a society. Yeah, but what people don't understand is some of these jobs, like, for example, there are, there are some... Uh, a garbage men that make six figures they make yeah. or close to six figures yeah. and it's just like people and like people don't understand like I, and I learned that because one of my friends worked for the um he worked for the state in Kentucky mm -hmm. and he told me he was like garbage men he's like garbage men like they drive around in like Mercedes and stuff like that he's like yeah. they, make, they can make a lot of money yeah and I'm like really and he he had me meet one and he told me how much he made and all that stuff and he had a really nice car and I was like wow this yeah. is interesting and I want people to see that I want them to see that there's so many opportunities for you to be successful and there's so many opportunities for you to take care of your family through jobs Absolutely. that other people may not other otherwise think that are like important so totally I love that well thank you so much for being on this was so fun yeah this was fun I really enjoyed where it where can people find you on the internet 
All right, you can find me at there's various places you can find me, but you can find me on social media at Erin A Simon E R I N A S I M O N. That's for all my social media accounts. You can find me also at Cheddar Esports on our show, whether it's uh, on the Twitter account at Cheddar Esports, or you can find me at twitch.tv slash Cheddar, or we're on cable, so you can find us there with Cheddar Network. Find me at Grassroots Podcast at Grassroots Pod, spelled routes, not roots, G-R-A-S-S-R-O-U-T-E-S-P-O-D. And my DMs are open, but not for you to slide in for other reasons, but for you to ask questions or any, you know, if you need advice or anything like that. But like I said, don't slide in my DM to ask for a date. Also, please avoid asking for my opinion on your music because I love the music industry and I want to be an actual fan. I don't want to go back into that anymore. So please, (laughs) just help me out. I'll help you with anything else. If you're asking me about strategy with music, etc., I'll help you with that. But don't ask me for your opinion on music because I'm being very honest. I just want to enjoy being a fan after going to the music industry. So uh, you can find me on all those places. And uh, yeah. Thank you. No problem. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of BTS Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. I did. I loved it. It was super inspirational to me. I love, uh, I just love conversations where we can kind of jump all over the place and get deep and then wide on a lot of subjects. The books that Erin has recommended are linked in the description of this podcast. So go ahead and tap on the description. And if you're into any of those books, uh, pick them up. I really appreciate Erin's time. Find her on the internet, follow her. She is awesome. And uh, I hope you have a great day. Find Erin on social media at Erin A. Simon across social media platforms. Music on this podcast is by Benjamin Betherum. Shout out to Ben. You can find him on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Betherum. I will also include a link to SoundCloud in the description of this episode. He is a magical sound designer who has worked with some amazing companies and I am honored to get to use his music. Thank you and enjoy the day. Please share the episode. Please review. Please subscribe. It helps a lot. <laughs>